is green. Q intro. No, 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 no! Ah! Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calore computer. It's time to drop your socks, grab your real-time clocks, and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, because Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 238. We are two weeks past Coco Fest. We are still recovering from all the fun and excitement we had. Are you ready for a great show today? Are you ready? All right, we are here. The show has begun, and cue outro. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show. Oh, that never gets old. All right, we're here. We are ready for a show. We have a panel. We have a show. Uh, we've got Terry Steggy. We've got Ron Delvaux. We've got Mark B. We've got Sloopy. We got Curtis. We got Mark Overholzer. We got Ken Waters, aka Canadian Retro Things. We got Rick Eulen. Jason, the Coco Man, Reichert is here. Many of you do not know this, but Jason is from Australia. We've got to whom it may concern. Alan Murphy is here today. We've got a guy from down under who likes to say, Oh, crikey. It's Nicholas Morantes. we got a guy oh, who crikey. likes to live stream. It's Grand Leedy. We've got a guy who likes diet Dr. Pepper and water, none other than David Ladd. And then we also have James Diffendaffer, the optimizer of the MC10 ROM. The guy who makes Mandelbrot and all kinds of other cool stuff. Uh, did I mention Mark Overholzer, our resident Apple guy? I did. I mentioned Terry Steggy. And uh, Terry, I do have a message for you. And that message would be... Bless your heart. Bless your heart, Terry. Bless your Bless heart. Your heart I will pray for you. Bless your heart, Terry. Bless your heart. And uh, Ken Waters here, Canadian Retro Things host of our Game On. Sloopy, our midweek Game On hoster guy. Mark B, our backup streamer. Grant Leedy, backup streamer. David Ladd is here, Mr. Floppy himself, and we have a special guest today. He's been in the live audience, but he's never been on the show, but we saw him two weeks ago at Coco Fest, and he decided to come on today. Uh, so Frederick D, and I have also um, mispronounced your last name many, many times, and so oh. you finally had to write me a letter saying, hey, dude, this is how it's pronounced. Uh, so let me see if I get this right, Fred, but it's Fred Provancha, Provancha, right? Uh, yes, that's correct. Yes. And am I really that special? I'm a special guest. You wow. are a special guest, but I, listen, the I bar feel... is pretty low on this show. So. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, hey, breathing check. Come on on. Um, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I put up with, you know, people mispronouncing my name my whole life. So, you know, no big deal. Um, um, I'm sure, uh, Nick Morantes uh, can understand. Um, and, uh, 
uh, a few others of you, I, I imagine. Um, yeah, um, my, uh, just in case you're curious, my last name, Provencia, um, originally was French Canadian. Um, my ancestors came from Quebec and uh, they migrated down to upstate New York about uh, 120 years ago or so. And the spelling and pronunciation changed or, uh, quite a bit. And so it doesn't look French anymore. But uh, anyway, yeah, Provencia. Originally, it was like Provence. Provence. Like oh, oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is it yeah. me or does Provencia just sound like a prescription medication? Um, yeah, I think so. I'm thinking I'm, I'm you know, I'm taking some, uh, uh, some, um, Privilege. some restless leg syndrome medication, yeah, which right. kind of has doctor a doctor if Provencia name. is right for you. Side effects may include. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. there's all kinds of side effects of having the name Fred Provencia too. So, right. um, yeah. <laughs> so what 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 was your first uh, machine? Was the Coco your first machine, Fred? Or um, yes, it was. Um, yeah. So uh, my first Coco was a 16k Coco two back in 1983. It's um, a little story behind that. So my father uh, made a career of working with mainframe computers. Okay, he'd been. He did so. He he got into the industry around around 1970 or so and became a, a computer programmer, a systems programmer, a systems analyst, and and so um, he worked with these giant computers that took up an entire floor of an office building in downtown New York, uh, where I, well I grew up in Long Island, but anyway, um, and so uh, I'd come into work to visit him every once in a while, and I was just totally enamored by all the computers there, and I remember playing around on their key punch card machines and and looking at their reel-to-reel -reel tape drives and stuff like that and and uh he taught me how to program a little bit in a programming language called roscoe that ran on the uh giant atm uh, uh, giant mainframe oh, i remember the upgrade of that it was called <laughs> roscoe p coltrane so uh, that, yeah that's right yeah I, I <laughs> yeah so anyway um yeah enamored with computers and i and so the early 80s came around and you know home computers came out i really wanted one but my father wanted to wait a little bit of time for the technology to mature a little bit so um so uh around 1983 i started saving my money to get my own computer and still i was waiting yeah i was like i'm not gonna wait any longer so <laughs> i started saving up and i was really originally going to get a ti-99 4a but uh, they were going on a, they, they had like discontinued that computer uh, or were discontinuing it. And so all the computers were like being sold at like steeply reduced prices. Right. And I was like, I can afford one. But my father was like, no, I want to get a computer that's not being discontinued. That's going to stick around for a while. So, um, so he did all kinds of things to try to delay me saving up enough money for the computer, like grounding me and taking away my allowance and stuff like that. But um so i eventually decided okay why don't i just wait till christmas sure enough christmas morning we look under the tree my brother and i and there was this beautiful new color computer too from radio shack and to be honest i wasn't really familiar with radio shack computers at that point mm. um but it, i didn't care right it was a computer <laughs> it was a computer right? i was like yeah, wow yeah, this is yeah. awesome so we hooked it up to the tv in the living room and played around with it and we got a couple of games our first two games cartridges were 
Microbes and Dino Wars. Um, um, yeah, Microbes was a big hit. Dino Wars, not so much. To this day, I, 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 I think I, I don't think much of that game. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I started to learn how to program in Basic using the amazing, awesome. Uh, uh, basic programming tutorial books that oh, yeah. put out and uh they were really awesome and so i learned how to program in basic really quickly and uh of course to start off we had a uh, we saved our programs on cassette tape you know and and um and so that was that was a lot of fun you know oh, waiting yeah. like five yeah. minutes for a program to load and and uh and so um but that's how i did it and um I uh, I actually got to the point where I uh, decided to enter uh, Rainbow's third adventure contest. Ooh. I should back up. At first, I didn't know that Rainbow even existed for like the first few months I had the computer until uh, my uh, subscription to uh, TRS-80 Computer News was ending because they were discontinuing that magazine and they gave us a choice as to what magazine to to uh, finish our subscription with. And Rainbow was one of the choices. And so I picked that one and I was amazed by Rainbow Magazine. It was like 350 pages or something. And it was just full of tons of stuff that it, my mouth just watered. My eyes just bugged out because I just couldn't, re I couldn't, couldn't believe how much stuff there was out there for the color computer that I didn't know existed, you know, because all you saw at Radio Shack was the Radio Shack stuff. And, and so, um, so anyway, I found out about the contest and entered the contest and wound up being a finalist in the third Rainbow Adventure Contest. My entry was called Andark, and it was a science fiction-themed uh, text adventure game. Um, the uh, one novelty that I put into the game that kind of, I think, helped me win was uh, it had a built-in map so that as you're exploring around the game, the computer generates a map oh, for you. Okay. Okay. You know how in the old days, what we used to do is we take a sheet of paper and we draw and on it. the paper, right. like you know what room you're in and what directions everything went to, and you you built this map of the the game. Um, but in my my game, it does, the computer does it for you. It creates this map for you, and so um, so yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. Anyway, um, so then. After that, uh, we so did eventually that, got did that make it to the to one of the books. Was that sorry? Did that make it to one of the books? Was it? Yes, published? yes. It's in the third uh, Rainbow. Oh, book so dude, you need to be like signing autographs at Coco Fest. You should get a booth and a table. And um, <laughs> well, you know, if if I did that, there's probably several of you that could probably do that. No, too, but that uh, would be kind of cool when you think about it. You could sit there, you could have your game running, you could I, have you could have a printout of the of the PDF of what you know your thing and. Uh, you know, as seen in Rainbow Book, Rainbow uh, Book Adventures yeah, Three. Uh, I, friend, we we even have a table it. with all of us people yeah. that have been in the adventure and simulation yeah, exactly. books and just <laughs> autograph them in a row. Yeah, Curtis, were you doing one of them? I think yeah, we, uh, I was in the second adventure and the second simulation. I think. Yeah, yeah. So, cool. uh, I mean, I I don't like drawing that much attention myself. I mean, maybe a little bit of attention, but not that much. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, like Grant um, Leedy. But anyway, go on. Yeah, yeah. We should, yeah. Anyway, um, so. Um, so after that, I got a disk drive and a multi-pack and uh, 
slew of other stuff and um and so then the fourth rainbow book uh, the rainbow adventure contest came around and i decided to write a sequel and uh called andark 2 and once again i was a finalist and so i'm actually in the fourth rainbow book of adventure oh, man. yeah so my programming career was looking bright at that time um let's see uh then um then the coco 3 came out in 86 right and so of course I wanted one immediately. I was like, holy cow, this looks awesome. And so um, so I started saving my money. It wasn't until about a year later, like in 87, that I finally had enough money saved up from like summer jobs. By this time, I was like 16 or so. And um, and uh, and I bought a Coco 3 and um, a Magnavox 8CM515 monitor um, from um a uh from a vendor in in rainbow magazine and um i bought them at the same time they both came shipped to me in these giant boxes and um i was holy cow that was like christmas in august um that was that was a an an awesome day and so i got my coco 3 all set up and started learning how to program in that um i started work on an andark 3 actually um but um never finished it because I kind of got distracted um, around 88 or so I got uh, OS 9 uh, and um, started uh, delving into OS 9 and I was I was really fascinated by OS 9 to me it felt like this it, it made the Coco feel like more like a professional computer because the operating system was so much more advanced than extended basic you know and so um, so I started learning OS 9 and there was like no turning back at the point. I've, I've been a big OS 9 fan ever since and, and Nitros 9 nowadays. But um, anyway, I never finished Andark 3. I still have the work disk somewhere. But um, I started, uh, uh, you know, learning OS 9 and I, I wrote, a, I learned basic 09 and, uh, lear- and I wrote a program, a Mandelbrot generating program uh, called Mandel 09. And, um, and uh, never released it or anything, um, but uh, I still have it, and uh, it works nicely. Um, it's not the fastest Mandelbrot generator around, but uh, it makes full use of uh, MultiView's windowing system. So there's like pull-down menus and you know pop-up windows and stuff like that. It looks pretty slick. It also has a very good um, uh, tutorial uh in uh, that's part of the program too about mandelbrots and how to generate them and stuff um so then um then uh, tandy announced that they were discontinuing the coco and my heart was broken and uh but uh, around that same time i uh left to go to europe for a couple of years i was in france and switzerland for a couple of years and and then uh when i came back in 94 i powered up I tried to power up my cocoa and the cocoa didn't work. And I was like, oh no, I have got, I, my, my cocoa didn't work anymore. And my, and rainbow was no more at this point. And so uh, there was no internet yet. So I had no idea what was going on in the cocoa community at that point and really no way to find out. And so I was kind of like cut off. And so I had a computer that didn't work. I had no idea what was going on in the cocoa community. Um, at that point, I made the uh, reluctant decision to pack up all my cocoa stuff and store it in the closet. 
uh, where it stayed for well, years. You didn't get rid of it like a lot of us. I did. yes, yes. I, was, I was. I had the foresight not to actually get rid of it. Yeah. I hung on to it mainly for sentimental reasons. Okay, because I just couldn't bear to part with it. I you know I loved loved the cocoa, so um, so I kept it. And so years went by. Uh, in '96, I moved out to Utah, where I am now, and uh, and uh, I I uh, I didn't even have a PC at that point. I eventually got a PC around I don't know '99, 2000 or so. Um, and uh, on a whim, I decided to enter TRS-80 Color Computer into a search engine. At that time, it was probably Yahoo, um, and uh, and lo and behold, all of these, a, a huge list of color computer related websites came up. And I was, I was shocked. <laughs> I was like, I thought the Cocoa community was dead and long gone and buried it. But no, there were all these websites. And I saw um, Paul Barton's website. I saw Curtis Boyle's games website. Hi, Curtis. Um, <laughs> and uh, a bunch of others and i was amazed and so oh and i found cloud nine's website too and i saw that cloud nine was not just selling cocos at that time but they were also selling complete hard drive systems and that was one thing i never well yeah there were there were a few things i never really got a chance to try out in the coco back in the day in the 80s i, I never had a hard drive system they were just way too expensive um, and I never did any BBSing because uh, my parents didn't want to foot the long distance bill. <laughs> um, and so that was a no go. And I never learned assembly. Um, but anyway, um, so I was like, you know, I have a job now. I was like around 28 years old or so at that point. I had a job. I had some money. I wasn't married yet. So I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get, I'm going to jump back in. So I, um, I communicated with Mark Marlette and, uh, I bought a Coco three, a hard drive system from him. Um, a bunch of other stuff, um, threw a whole bunch of money his way. And he sent a whole bunch of packages back my way. And, uh, I, I got my Coco system set up and running and installed nitrous nine. And I was amazed by nitrous nine. I was like, wow, this is so much faster. This is this is a lot slicker than uh, OS nine was back in the day. This is awesome. So I dove back in and I've been pretty much back in the co back into the cocoa ever since there have been times here and there periods when I've been more or less active than at others. There have been a, a, a few years there where I had the system all set up and running, but I just didn't use it very much because I had just other things going on in my life. Um, so um, yeah, so uh, it's been great to be back, and um, I attended the uh, the Coco Fest in two thousand four. I was there, um, and uh, bought a whole bunch of stuff. It was it was great. It was like kid in a candy store. Um, since then, I've been um, I kind of uh, revised Mandelbrot the Mandelbrot program a little bit to make it run a little better. I uh, I have started in just in the last couple of years to learn C, uh, which uh, it's coming along nicely. Uh, um, I, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with that. 
And I've been uh, kind of involved in the in Crypto Spoils uh, EOU, Nitrous 9 EOU project, and um, been a big proponent of that. And so uh, that's, and, uh, and that's basically what I've been up to lately. And, uh, you know, the cocoa is one of actually many hobbies that I have. So I like split my time about 10 different ways among 10 different, different hobbies. And, and uh, so it competes for my time, just like anything else. Um, uh, you like know, those also, telescopes back there? What's that? Like those telescopes back there? Yes, that's right. I was hoping you'd notice. Yeah, I've got, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got a, um, a six inch. Uh, these are both reflectors, uh, six inch and a five inch. Um, Newtonian. Uh, Newtonian reflectors. And um, huh, there's, they're yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think yours are better than mine. I Actually, I need to get a new telescope because these are kind of getting a little... Well, listen, uh, they're like tools, like, uh, you know, everything is, has a purpose. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, yeah. Astronomy has been a, a big uh, hobby of mine too. Uh, it's, cool. uh, my neighborhood has kind of been building out. There's been a lot of houses built in my area lately. So the uh, light pollution has been getting worse here. So um, that's been kind of discouraging. So I haven't been out to sightsee or, you know, st stargaze as much as I used to, but um have you ever yeah, put a it's, camera it's been to a lot it? Of fun. I've even dabbled in like uh, astrophotography. Yeah, I was wondering if you put a camera to it yet. I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometime I'll show you some pictures. They're, they're not that great. I mean, I'm not really a. I'm not really even a, even a good photographer. I, but, uh, no, but I wasn't still, either. You know, yeah. It's it's cool that it's cool that I have pictures of stuff that I've seen. You now know? here's right. here's the million dollar question: Do you we fax by any chance? Um. I don't. Yes, Ron, um, Ron Devo would want you to move in with him, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, he might adopt you. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd have to bring my uh, my wife and four kids with me. That might be a bit of a ah. trick to fit us all in there. <laughs> That's yeah. cool. Yeah, so um, I, I'm going to get to a few comments from the live chat, and then we, sure, yeah. we've just been joined by Brian, the music man, Shubring as well, who was also at Coco Fest, and I thought maybe we'll get some of your um, yeah. observations on mm -hmm. uh, on Coco Fest too. Uh, so, uh, so James Jones earlier was applauding the fact that you were using Night, uh, OS nine and Basic on I. James Jones used to work from Microware. A lot of people were saying and Arc three needs to happen, and you need to make that. Yeah available for the next Cocoa Fest and either do it in Basic 09 or do it in CMOC so we can have that for the next <laughs> fest. Um, yeah, free and arc. Yeah. And so Bruce Moore, <laughs> as soon as you mentioned you started a version three and never finished it, that made me think of Forest of Doom because Bruce Moore had started a game that he never finished that he eventually <laughs> finished. So and yeah. arc three could maybe be your, your Forest of Doom, you know? I, I think so. Yeah. I, I, I'm a, actually, I bought a copy of Forest of Doom. I have it. Um, and I, I have to say his story about that was rather inspiring. And uh, it, it does inspire me uh, a bit more to uh, finally get off my duff and start working on it again. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll just go. Do you through. still have your old code for it? I'm presuming. Yes, I do. That's great. Yeah, uh, Kevin Holloway's out there. I'm just gonna go through the live chat right now. Hey, Kevin. Uh, Ken Ken Make It is out there. Tom Eric Gunderson in Norway is out there. Hello, guys. And uh, David Craker is out there. Samuel Gimes is out there. Tim Franklin. Hey, Tim. And Alexander Wallace is out there saying thanks one thousand for doing this. And uh, Dave, Mr. Dave is out there. And Kevin Holloway, 
and um, Terry Steggy is out there, and Jay Cyril is out there. Hey, Jay Cyril. Rocky Hill, who recently became a patron. Thanks for doing that, uh, Pedro. And Exile in Paradise, and so on. So, yeah, there's people who are uh, on board with the Andark 3 movement, so I think <laughs> you've got some, some fans there. Uh, yeah, um, Andark 3 uh, was rather ambitious. I mean, um, it uh, I, even even when I even when I even when I got to the point where I stopped working on it, I mean, it took up most of the available uh, RAM. Um, I employed some uh, custom programming tricks in order to try to stretch it out, and uh, and uh, so uh, I might need to continue to do that. Um, so uh, yeah, and especially the graphic routines. Uh, th that's mostly what needs to be done is the graphics. Um, uh, most of the rest of the game is pretty much done, I think. Um, a lot of, a lot of people, graphics. a lot of people have upgraded to at least 512k for the Coco Three. Oh so. yeah, well I have I have 512k. It's just that mm. uh, basic still is limited to you know what 32k or whatever. Um, so what I need to do is like store store a lot of the data that the program uses in high memory. Um, yep. So I'm going to have to do that, I think. And so, we're doing um, basic nine, basic. Well, I would have, to, it would have to be a, an entirely completely new rewrite if I did it in basic nine or C, uh, which I don't feel that ambitious to <laughs> entirely hey, rewrite the program. Um, Fred, did you uh, ever do anything with your cocoa that was in the closet then? Yeah, there's um, been a question there. What happened to the the original one? Good question. I brought it to Cocoa Fest a couple weeks ago, and Sloopy fired it up, and it worked. Awesome. <laughs> he had the magic touch. So I don't know how long it's been. It it's been it's in my a loose closet for something. years and years. And I never even bothered to pull it out and try testing it again. Um, but Sloopy actually did some work on it. He uh, he replaced uh, the 6809 with a 6309. And um, and he installed uh, Drive Wirelessly in it. So it's back up and running now. Ooh, Drive Wirelessly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yep. Sloopy, no, um, Sloopy, you didn't you have stored anything when you did that, did you? No, I just used my magic touch and told it that if it didn't work, that I was going to install a 6502 in it. <laughs> <laughs> you threatened it. <laughs> I'm sure that was motivation to get it back yeah. in line, sure. That, that, that kind of level of threatening should be illegal. That's kind of bad. <laughs> you do what yeah, it takes. Against, do you have against, against, unusual punishment, huh? Fred, yeah, do you have pictures of your um, astronomy uh, pictures you've taken? Because um, I could take a couple of those and uh, make it so you can uh, see them on your Coco Three. Oh yeah. Um, do you have some on your? I um, think I, wall? I think I uh, I think I know of a way to do that myself. If I can resave it as a GIF, and then and then uh, insert the picture the file into a disk image. I know I, I have a I have a program for the for Nitros Nine that can display GIF files. So right, well, pretty cool. into a GIF file is all I need to do, really. I, I think I can figure that out. Or you can do like a bitmap to high color too. There's a high color yeah. one that'll do oh. a, a nice. Okay. The high color ones I do are pretty good. Yeah. 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 yeah if you use view GIF, it does page flipping, so you get more colors too. That one's not too bad. It's not the quickest thing in the world. But... Yeah. 
So you were at Coco Fest. What did you think of Coco? And was, was this the first Coco Fest you'd been at in a while, or what was prior um, to this year? What was the last one you're at? You mentioned uh, 2004. I, but... I mentioned I was uh, I attended uh, the Coco Fest in 2004. Uh, I think they called it the Baker's Dozen Coco Fest or something because it was the 13th. And, oh um, wow! And so uh, I was there. Um, I don't remember who of you were all there, but. I think there might have been a couple of you there. I think, but um, that's all right. I, I, it's it's it was so long ago. I mean, the reason I haven't attended more of them is because, well, um, I'm in Salt Lake City, and it's, you know, it's it's too far to drive. Um, and it's you know, um, were you were you able to meet Lonnie back then? I don't think Lonnie was there at that. No, one. Lonnie didn't attend any of the Coco Fest. I don't think, even he, from the nineties. He, he was there at the eighty-four one when I went. Yeah, the Rainbow Fest. He was. Yeah, yeah that's Rainbow what I Fest. This was in two thousand four. Oh, okay. In Chicago. All right. Yeah. Um, I never All attended right. any Rainbow Fests. Okay. I was a kid. Didn't I? Didn't have a driver's license, and my parents were <laughs> were not going to take me. So you know that was kind yeah. of that. Um, I think they held some uh, Rainbow Fests in Princeton. Yeah, which, yeah. which uh, was you know several hours drive from where I grew up in New York. So conceivable, I could make it there, but my parents never, never agreed to do that. So where did you live in New York? I lived in Long Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. Current. Uh, okay. So what are my thoughts of Coco Fest? I guess. Um, um, Coco Fest in two thousand four was awesome. It was like a dream come true. I had never been to any coco convention before and so that was a blast um it was rather small i thought but this year's i don't know my memory of the one in 2004 may be a bit fuzzy but it seemed to me that the one this year was a little bit bigger at least as far as turnout goes and the number of vendors there uh or the number of tables um i kind of expected it to be a lot smaller you know, just because of how much time has passed since then. Right. But no, it was at least the same size, and I think perhaps a little bigger than the one in two thousand four. So that was that was a uh, that was nice to see. It was um, it was uh, it was a bigger turnout than I uh, expected, and uh, I don't know what you guys were expecting, but for me, um, it it was nice to see everyone there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've only been to about four or so uh, i've been coming since around 2016 i think my first coco fest there was about 80 people and that was supposedly a good turnout for that year because the from what i understand the attendance the attendance was starting to decline and so that's what kind of when the uh, coco crew podcast had first started their mission was to get people interested in the, in the coco and in the hobby and going out to coco fest and that's what got me uh interested in going to coco fest so the first one i went to which i think was the 25th annual there was roughly 80, you know, 80, 85 people there. And supposedly that was a good turnout from prior years. And since then, since there's just so much more um, online coverage and, and internet-based marketing for the community and for Coco Fest, it's, it's, it's grown year after year. So the next year it went up to like 100, then it was 120. One year we were up to almost 150. Wow. Um, and then, of course, this year being covid you know, we're still dealing with COVID. We're, they, you had some international who, travel was blocked. And then international travel was blocked. And you had some people who did not want to come because of the mask mandate. And of course, at the last minute, the, it became, became masks were optional. So the fact that we still had 80 people this year is, is commendable. 
But to answer your other, oh, look, Jason just found Andark. But to answer your question about the size, this, this is a new venue, so it's a bigger space. Um, right. Um, so um, Heron Point was smaller. So this was a bigger space. So it, it, the reason why it looked bigger is because it physically was. But we would yeah. have had more vendors if it wasn't for Cocoa Fest, and we would have had more attendees. I mean, not for COVID, but for COVID. If it wasn't for COVID right. and, and the Canadian, which is part of COVID, right, the whole Canadian border thing, um, we we could have easily had you know hundred plus people this year. Um, but when I yeah. went in '84, I'll bet you there was a thousand people there. I mean, oh, it was sure. packed at Cocoa Fest or Rainbow Fest. Rainbow Fest. Yeah, we're uh, yeah, we're talking about Cocoa Fest right now. Well, yeah. I know, but I'm yeah. just talking about how. Back in the day, oh they yeah, were I know. Big, they yeah. Eighty six was probably closer to ten thousand. Yeah, super no, I would have wow. loved this. I don't, I don't even know how I would have handled something like that, to be honest. But just to have been, to been part of that would have been amazing. Yeah, I was well, kind of in the was, same boat. Yeah, there were some booths you went to and you couldn't get close enough to see what they were selling, so you just went around and circled around so you can go back when <laughs> people moved. Yep. You yeah, know? that's one of my regrets is that I yeah. never was able to attain a rain uh, attend a Rainbow Fest because uh, yeah, I heard they were pretty big, pretty big deals. You know, yeah, a lot of people were. there and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I would have, I would have been, I would have been blown away. Uh, it's too bad I couldn't go back then. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have a I, lot of Cocoa right. Fest under my belt, but for me, the biggest complaint I've had about Cocoa Fest is trying to do everything and not being able to. Because you've got, you know, you want to be able to hang out. You want to be able to look at all the tables and you want to be able to listen to the speakers. This year, because of the smaller attendance and stuff, you a lot more hanging out was able to be done. And so I like that more casual social aspect of this year's event myself. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Uh, Coco Fest is a lot more intimate. I, I, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Fred, what year did you say you moved to, to uh, Utah? Uh, 1996. I actually lived in Salt Lake City for a year, and you were probably living there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, out of the cocoa community at that point. I didn't have any yeah. any of my stuff. I think all my cocoa stuff was still in New York at that time. Um, Fred, did you join a club when you were back in the day? Oh, good question. Yes, I did. Um, but I got involved in that club kind of late. I joined it like around 1990 or so. Um, and so, uh, it was, it's called the Island Cocoa Club. Um, hold on. I think I have one of their newsletters here. Uh, let me check. That's cool Let's that see. Jason found both of the, uh, ah, yeah. of the Andark games there. Here we go. Yeah, they're, they're, the, the, all the rainbow books of adventures are right up, right up on the bookshelf. So all yeah. I do is reach up and Island read Cocoa the table News. of contents. Look at that. <laughs> That's cool. Yep. So, um. I, I, they disbanded around the, around the 92, 93 timeframe, I think. Um, so I have about a couple of years worth of their newsletters. I've scanned in some of them and I plan on uploading them to the, uh, Cocoa archive. Um, but I, I need to finish mm -hmm. scanning them. That's cool. How long have you been watching the modern Cocoa community, especially with like Facebook and podcasts and live streams and stuff like that? Um, more or less continuously since 2000. Oh, wow. Um, there have been, you know, there have been, uh, you know, a, a few periods here and there lasting a few months or so when I kind of, you know, didn't check in as often, you know. Um, but uh, I've been watching Coco Talk for a while now. And and 
and just kind of watching it, not really participating much until a few months ago. Um, Did you get an uh, SDC? What's that? Did you get an SDC? Coco SDC? Uh, yes, I I have it right in front of me, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, SDC is a wonderful device. Absolutely. Holy cow. My hat's off. Um, basically, it uh, it totally brings the Cocoa storage uh, into the 21st century, you know. I mean, just as much as I love this uh this uh this hard drive system that uh that cloud nine sold me and i i've been i've used it for many many years I, and it when i first got it especially i was like my coco's growing up it has its own hard drive now um uh, but um but i mean it's it's it takes up valuable real estate on my desk mm -hmm. you know yeah. and so uh and so it's so much more convenient to just have this little sd card that you plug into the side of the coco now and um, and there's your entire software collection on one sd card it's awesome it yeah. Yeah. much easier to back up too than the old hard drives <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. in fact i'm still trying to back up everything from the hard drive it's a pain <laughs> um <laughs> because i don't have I don't have something that can access the hard drive and the floppies and the SDC card all at the same time. It's a, it's a SCSI hard drive. So yeah, and I do it. How do you do it? <laughs> you use, I, I run exclusively OS nine and I use D safe and I, and I backed up uh, Tony Pedraza's SCSI drives uh, in total. So that's the easy way to do it. I've used IDE, SCSI and MFM. Oh, okay. And I do yes. it directly to this uh, SDC. Now that you mention it, I have backed up my OS9 partition on my hard drive. The problem is the uh, the the RS DOS partition. Um, <laughs> I've got 255 virtual floppies uh, on the uh, on the hard drive that are you know are running under HDB DOS and. Um, and uh, it's hard for me to access and copy those over to the SDC card. Um, that's what I'm finding. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I, I don't use our, um, RS DOS much at all, mostly yeah. OS 9. So, yeah, I can see your point. Yeah. yeah, you're coming a little hot there, Brian. But, yeah, there's there's got to be a way to do it. Uh, if nothing else, well, you can do a no drive. Or you drive. just have to do it one, 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 time, at a time. one, one floppy at a time. You that's basically right. have to copy each individual... Yep. Uh, virtual uh, floppy drive on the hard drive to a floppy disk, and then from the floppy to the SDC. Mm. Uh, oh, can you can you map in an SDC drive, like you know, a virtual disk image, and then just back up, you know, zero to whatever from the physical floppy or the the partition floppies? Um. Well, the um, the TC three hard drive interface that I have, uh, I don't think can generate virtual images um, yeah, the sdc can though you can actually disk yeah. anyone with a common new and create a new yeah i think i think the limitation is on the uh is on the uh the hard drive on the, side. Uh, heart, uh, on the tc3 side right. um if you can get, well we're gonna i don't know if we're gonna start delving into the tech support trying yeah. to solve the problem on the air <laughs> this here. could get but a little technical yeah, if true. um can, if you could get we'll it talk to about it later you could you could, if you could see the physical partition and one of the drives on your sdc at the same time there's a way to there's a way to work it out and, there, and there's a way yeah. you can do that through a multi-pack I, I think that's the problem i don't think i can but we can talk more about it yeah, on Discord yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah there you go and there's a plug for discord 
Uh, cool stuff. <laughs> you should also mention you're actually active in the EOU community. You've actually contributed uh, some yeah. of the pieces that are distributed with EOU now. Yeah, I, I kind of briefly mentioned that earlier. So I'm I'm like uh, totally uh, on board with uh, Nitrous 9 EOU. I think it's awesome. Uh, anything that makes OS 9 or Nitrous 9 easier to use and more accessible, uh, I, I totally applaud. And so um, to that end, I have um, I've kind of been in, involved in the EOU project uh, in the last year or so. I, I rewrote um, the control program that uh, that's one of the uh, one of the uh, the multi-view or G-Shell tools that you find under the Tandy menu on G-Shell. Um, so basically, um, the, the control program was originally designed back in the day as a way to uh, modify or adjust or customize your system settings. Um, you can change the monitor type that you're using. You can change from high res to low res mouse. You can change the palette. And uh, it was nice, but um, especially after Curtis Boyle, hi Curtis, um, uh, up, upgraded G-Shell, what was it like 20 years ago or so you came out with? Uh, yeah, 97, 98, somewhere Okay, there. yeah, more than that, 25 years ago. When you uh, you uh, you came out with a, an upgrade to G Shell, which I really uh, was impressed with, and I've been using that ever since. Really, since like over twenty years now, I've used your version of G Shell up until you came out with a, a newer version recently. Well, do you um, have the the latest garbage can too? Yeah, I have. I yeah, have the most recent one there. Yeah, that's the part we've waited twenty five years for. So thank <laughs> that's you, Nick. Right. So anyway, um, I was really impressed with the new G Shell, but I found out that. Um, the new, it's like 25 years old, right? But anyway, um, I was really impressed with it, but I found that you added some additional entries to the environment file. Uh, yeah. yeah, and um, and uh, the control program that comes, the stock control program that comes with MultiView doesn't know what to do with those, right? So it, it, doesn't, it doesn't allow you to access or change them at all. And so that was kind of a, a pet peeve of mine for a long time. <clears throat> So finally, I don't know, like a year or two ago, after I started learning C, I was like, you know, um, why don't I rewrite it? <laughs> um, I didn't want to do it in Basic 09 because I didn't want the I didn't want it to have to rely on Run B. Basically, um, I wanted it to be a full standalone program, and so um, I decided to write it in C. And um, I just wanted to upgrade the update the graphics on it to make it a lot slicker. Yeah, the look and feel to make it look more modern. And yeah, and um, and so now uh, the control program that I wrote, which is now part of EOU, um, does allow you to access those additional environment file um, um, entries that that you uh, that you created, and so now you can change the color uh, and the palette of G shell uh, without affecting the other system uh, colors, okay, that applications yeah. run and stuff like that. And so, um, and so you also added some color themes that you find kind of cool, more too. useful, um, um, you know, so that you can just, you know, go into G shell, boom, pull up control, and you can switch uh, from CMP to RGB or you can change the palette uh, on the fly with just a couple of clicks of uh, the mouse. And, uh, you know, so hopefully that you know makes things a lot easier and and more convenient for people. Cool stuff. And, and one of the solutions for your virtual hard drive thing is also a few people mentioning GoTech. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the GoTech to. 
great disc images and stuff, but uh, we'll we'll digest that topic yeah. later. That, that's okay. Um, all right, good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. We got a good panel. We've got a great show mm -hmm. for you. We're gonna probably now take a, a a brief break, and then we will come back with the game on results and whatnot. But we have. We have a lot of segments to run because I was um, I was negligent last week. It was my first time streaming in a couple of weeks, and I forgot to run who's new to Discord last week. So we've got even more new to Discord, um, and and so on. So let's go ahead and see who's new to Discord this week. Then we'll say hi to our patrons. We'll take a commercial break, and we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Thanks for being back here. Back at lunch. Yeah, thanks for being here, Fred. Feel free to hang out as long as you can. Thank and you. Yeah, well, thank you. You're too kind. All right, so we'll be back after this little break here. It's time for everyone's favorite segment. Who's new to Discord this week? Eddie. Hello, world. My name is Eddie. I am in Quebec City and own too many computers in my collection. The Coco computers are definitely my favorites, and the Coco 2 was my first computer. The only new hardware I use is the SDC. I've been following the Coco community for a couple of years. Oh gee Hugo. My name is Hugo, I am an old school gamer and have several retro systems. The Coco was my introduction to computers and was my very first computer. I walked into a radio shack and asked if they had any Nintendos for sale. The salesman said, I have something that is better than a Nintendo. He showed me the Coco 2 16K, and told me I could program my own games and wouldn't have to buy them if I didn't want to. Coco Tower. Hello guys. My name is Roger and I've been a Coco programmer and hobbyist since the 80s. To this day I still have Coco projects either in the idea stage or in design, some of which are quite serious or useful to the whole Coco community. Quindelt Hello Team. My name is Peter Stark, son of Peter Stark, the creator of Star Kits, SK DOS, Humbug, Elisa, and others. MC Hellspawn. My name is Joe. Just getting back started in the vintage computer scene. Not really going to dive much deeper than the Coco world. Just here to meet people that know more than I do, since I was about 8 years old when I last used one. Stephen W. Hi, I'm Stephen. In the 80s I had a Coco 3, and a Coco 2. I was on the Coco mailing list, but I'd rather use Discord and Facebook. Hopefully, I can learn something from here and help others in some way. Rascalus. Hello everyone. I'm Davin. I'm into Commodore and Tandy computers mainly, but I also dabble in all sorts of retro stuff from Apple, consoles, electronics repair, collecting and all that jazz. I mainly came here for two reasons, to lurk and talk Tandy, and to inquire about the best way to get composite out of my Coco 2. Embezzle. Hi everyone. My name is Travis. I grew up using a TRS-80 and Coco 2. I have a Coco 3 now that I've started putzing around on again. I found the link to this place on Google. I'm looking forward to joining the discussion here. Thanks. The previous bios were edited for time's sake. Thanks to Melly, Boysontech, Paul Fiscarelli, Terry Stagy, and the Coca Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer at discord.cocotalk.live
At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our program. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Bowden Aaron, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, Karen Anscombe, D. Bruce Moore, Daniel Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Ken Reichard, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Rick Euland, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., Tom Heron, Tony C., and William Athick. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Morning, Coco Land. This is Brian Schubring with Music Man here at the Coco Fest. Having fun, fixing issues, and making things roll, and making lots of sound. Have a great day, guys. We'll return after these messages. What if, knowing what I know now, I could go back in time join Tandy Corporation and change the course of history. Coco forever. How does it feel? I'm still Baby, there's something I need to talk to you about. Remember when we first met? Everything was so easy and it felt like nothing could stop us. But now, everything is such a struggle. And <laughs> if I'm being honest, you're really starting to show your age. Can I get the check, please? Break up with 512K. Use two megabytes now with Nitros 9 Ease of Use Edition. Ease of use. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. plans after school. You know what Elliot's gonna do? Jeff, too. Elliot's at work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer 3. It hooks up to his TV. And Jeff's at his Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 programs for fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I remember the days of grade school when on the playground we would talk about the latest computer and console games. Until one day when a kid told the teacher he was having a blast with his new math tutor. After he got out of the hospital, he changed schools. Greetings YouTubers, Atari Leaf here, and you're listening to Coco Talk.
Okay, well, this just in, I did not realize that I believe there is a new Samuel Gimes for the Game On Challenge, which I'll have to update now because I did not have that in my queue. Um, that's good. Now, where, is Fred still here? He is. Uh, yep, I'm still um, so here. You mentioned there was another project. As if you didn't have enough on your hands already, you uh, mentioned something uh-huh. about um, uh, the iCal thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, so this is the most recent project I've been working on. Basically, um, you know how like your cell phone or your computer, maybe you use Outlook, you know, you basically, um, you access these online calendars, right? So when you sync your phone's calendar, with say uh some some maybe with outlook okay uh you use you use these these uh these files on the internet called ics files or icalendar files okay and basically um what your your device does it reaches out to the web and and finds this file on a remote server and downloads it and synchronizes the data with your phone's calendar program and that's how you get like reminders on your phone of upcoming events and stuff like that. And uh, program outlook on a PC does the same thing. So I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if the Coco could reach out to the internet and download one of these uh, calendar files. And so your Coco's calendar program could sync with, with uh, like an online calendar. And um, so I, uh, I've been experimenting with it over the last few months. I have, I'm still, I think, far away from any sort of a finished program. I'm just trying to basically figure out what's possible. And um, I've, I've, um, I've it, and it basically uses DriveWire technology to reach out and to access an online file on the internet. And so using uh, the DW command under OS9 or Nitros9, uh, you can download these calendar files and um, I, I've developed a, a filter or a parser program under C that takes this file from a remote server and then runs it through this filter and spits out usable event data, which can be used by, well, theoretically, uh, any number of things. But one thing that I've been able to do is, is take that data that the, that the uh, filter spits out and have it... Um, stored on a file, which then you can access from your startup uh, file on, on Nitrous 9. So when I, when I, when I boot up Nitrous 9, it displays a, a list of upcoming events uh, that it downloaded from the internet. Um, and so, uh, so it, you know, I just think it may be a way of uh, making the Coco a bit more useful and to be able to, uh, you know, have the Coco um you know be able to synchronize with online calendars i think uh, would be kind of neat so uh, yeah. i've been kind of experimenting with that lately that would be cool obviously on the outside of the coco you have to deal with all the encrypting and decrypting and stuff because the coco would never be able to handle yeah. that right and so, there's but, uh, uh yeah there's some limitations uh i've already bumped into i've noticed that certain calendar files on the internet use characters that the drive wire command doesn't understand and i'm trying to see if there's a way around that so and then there's encryption and decryption um anything that's encrypted probably i'm not going to be able to use um it's it has to be unencrypted files at this point that uh that you'd be able to access and there's still quite a few out there um 
I've been able to use this technology to access, or this method, I guess, to access um, uh, uh, Glenside's online calendar on their website. Oh, and so cool. I can download uh, event data from Glenside's online calendar and display it on my Coco. So um, that's cool. Yeah. So. Very, very uh, cool. It's still a long ways away, I think, from being uh, some sort of finished program. I can. Um, yeah, but that's that's just a really cool it. thing. The whole ICS thing, internet was that internet calendar sharing or whatever that stands for. But uh, yeah, to be mm -hmm. able to take what we take for granted on modern tech devices and retrofit yeah. that to the retro coco is just kind of a cool thing. Yeah, you I know? just I just think that the more ways we can find out how the computer can access the internet and uh, access information on the internet, the more that could benefit us uh, and, and more useful. I think that would be for us to, if the Coco could, you know, uh, access resources online for any, for whatever reason, you know, uh, Fred. That's, that's what I'm trying to develop. Yeah. Fred, were you, were you, uh, uh, aware of a program? Well, it was a, uh, a, uh, thing, I think it was called star TTY. And back in the day you could, um, call or log into this, uh, it was like a bulletin board sort of, but it was uh, for any retro computer and it would have the date and time current, you know, in one corner and you, you could make uh, whatever fields that you want to show, you know, it would be the news, it would be tech news or, you know, international news, local news. Um, and it was pretty cool and, and it was um, all text-based and, um, you know, the screen would scroll by with the news or you can make it stop and you can pick and choose and read if you want. But I thought that was really cool and it's kind of similar to what you're doing, but it's yeah, more um, it, Yeah, I, I, I sometimes wonder if maybe I'm reinventing the wheel with some of this. Maybe there are people out there who have uh, developed ways to uh, for the Coco to access online resources and and I have to admit, I'm I'm uh, not aware of everything that everyone's done over the years in that regard. So, um, well, this so yeah, it's something for, I I want to learn more about. It was around for a while, and then um, it's gone now. Yeah, and all yeah. I have is screen prints of you know when it well, was. Rick Ewan would be a guy cool. to talk to because he's working on the Coco Network card, and he was showing off kind of a Coco oh, yeah. web browser at Coco Fest yeah. and some networking. So that we is know, something I'd be interested in. Yes, we know a guy. What's his name again? Rick Eulen. He's in the panel right here. Oh, hey, Rick. Here. Yeah. Oh, yes. Hi, Rick. <laughs> he was at Coco Fest. So he, he I, had think, a, he, I think you and I even talked a little bit about it at Co uh, yeah. Coco Fest a couple yeah, weeks ago. Yeah, we're basically all waiting on parts, and then mm. many great things will happen. Yeah. Rick Eulen seen, right, seen at Coco Fest and right here, right now. That's right. <laughs> cool. All right. So, uh, Canadian Retro Things, are you ready for your moment in the spotlight, sir? I am absolutely ready. Okay, so I'm going to have to have a small delay because when I queue up the Samuel Gimes that I already had queued up, I'm going to have to shift to, and because I was just told by the guys during a commercial break that there is a new Samuel Gimes for this week. I had checked earlier this morning when I was getting all my content ready and I had not seen one. So you're going to start to see a Cocoa, uh, Cocoa Thoughts and then it's going to have to switch. So I do apologize for that so lack of professionalism because we are a professional show and we do have... Uh, ultra high standards here so uh let's sure, go you ahead and uh, let's go ahead and kick into this week's coco thoughts and then we'll get into the high score results and all that good stuff here we go and now coco thoughts 
by Samuel Gimes. Share system sound. Were Coco mice sound? bad back then? And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Revenge of the Muted Miners. Revenge of the Muted Miners. <laughs> They'll catch you, kill you, burn you, bash you, chew you up a bunch, and finish you off with a smash and a crunch. Smash and a crunch. Smash and a crunch. <laughs> Was that it? <laughs> All right. Was the game actually that blinky, too? High score challenge with Nick Marona. Welcome everyone to the results of this week's Game On Challenge, where we played Revenge of the Mutant Miners. There were a total of 18 players, so let's see how everyone did. Bob and Coco, 5310. Tom C, 6,400. Tom C. Pedro Pena, 7,440. Mr. Dave, 6,309, 9,130. Exile in Paradise, 10,390. Canadian Retro Things, 10,870. Kieran, 11,150. Jim Rye, 11,630. Chip Monkey, 15,460. Rich N, 15,980. David Craker, 19,020. L. Curtis Boyle, 20,090. Brian Walsh, 22,360. Tasman Scott Cooper, 35,410. Flutterball, 37,200. Sloopy Malibu, 42,250. Buck Owens, 222,380. And the number one score this week is. Rasculus with 247,110. Wow. Buck Owens is number two. Thanks, everyone that played, and we will see you next week. Wow. Yes, Buck Owens has been dethroned. And who is Rasculus? Is he new? Was he on the new to Discord this week, too? That, that name? He's He's a ringer from over at the Amigos. Ah, a ringer. Uh-huh. <laughs> ah. Mm. Okay. And while, Fred, while you were talking uh, about Nitrous 9 for, for a period of time, Bill Noble had chimed in a few times there, too. So Bill Noble, the one of the co-creators of Nitrous 9. So Bill Noble's out there, too. Hey, Bill. Um, cool stuff. Yeah, I was uh, had a busy week this week, and I needed to get my Cocoa Pie updated, and it did not happen so I couldn't play the game this week, but it looks cool. But it was it really that blinky because when uh, Samuel yeah Gomes Nick Nick Morandi's and I uh, we kind of think it's a compiled basic program. Yeah. Uh, cool, but it looks cool. Still fun. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. yeah so, uh, oh, I cannot share okay, my screen. I have stopped sharing. Okay. Now Stop I'll share sharing my is screen. Caring. Mm -hmm. Actually, the font yeah. in the beginning looks like a Coco Mix font. Yeah, I think it was created in Copenhagen, the splash screen. So there was a review that uh, I think, Curtis, you put this up on Discord. Yeah, that's page two, and you got page one, I think. Yeah, yeah. page one um, there. So, yeah, 
uh, favorable review says that uh, if you like uh, arcade games, you're going to like this. And it does mention that it is a sequel to uh, Mutant Miners that I wasn't able to find. And so this one was only for Coco 3 and Mutant Miners was for uh, the Coco 1, 2 or 3. So okay. I don't know. Has anybody yeah. actually ever seen a copy of Mutant Miner? Miners? No, actually, that's one that we have not found yet. So maybe you have to check with Breeze to see if he's got it or something. But mm. uh, this is also roughly based on uh, Miner 2049 yeah. or 2049 or whatever you want to call it. It is. And uh, so, yeah, the Coco version of Miner 2049er. So I wasn't able to play it on two of my machines and two other of my machines that played on. On real hardware? I don't know why. Oh. That's odd. Real, yeah. Real hardware around? Eight megabyte and two megabyte did not run it, but the uh, 512 and one megabyte did. Hmm. Okay. Will those other ones run WeFax? They all do. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's important. <laughs> yeah, I do see it's a little blinky, huh? Yeah. So this is um, this is uh, some footage from Rasculus. Yeah, this was before he discovered the RGB and and also yeah, he, was, he had it in the wrong mode. So, <laughs> and this is the screen that's uh, we're assuming the author's uh, initials here. Yeah, that is. Oh, this, there's a good initials. Yeah, this is not this is not a, 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 a anything to do with Dallas then, right? Kind of do who shot JR or anything? No, I'm uh, trying to figure out like the, the company JR and JR Soft Stuff's the name of the the software company. And it's, as far as I know, this was a brother pair. One of them was Jamie Robinson. I don't know what the brother's name was. I think one did the programming, one probably did the beta testing, or maybe helped I think design I read graphics something that there's one of them was a Jeff, or, or sorry, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. It was it was two brothers, as far as I can tell. So this initial works for both of them because they both have JR as their initials. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think I could only find one other game by them. Uh, they did Jerry Riggins one that's on my site. Uh, uh, Steve, Steve Rasmussen, who is Buck Owen, says John Riggins. Huh? So for, uh, for tips and tricks, uh, people that did a lot better than me, how, what were some of the tips and tricks for playing this game? <laughs> Learn to time jumps. Yeah, it was uh, very picky about your timing. You had to almost step right on top of the bad guys before you could jump over them and almost walk off the ledges. So I guess was... one trick I would point out that wasn't super obvious to me at first when I first played it is that once you get energized by eating those little pulsing power pellets, they had a strange name like uranium niminum or something like that for it. But basically they're power pills like Pac-Man and it changes the monsters to turn into a cyan color, in which case you can run over them and kill them. Um, but if you have a platform above you that's not too far above you and there's one running around there, you can actually get a twofer. You can actually get the thing, kill the monster on your current platform and then jump through the floor a little bit there and hit him with your head and, and head take care of the other one. Yeah. So that was one one little tidbit. Also, some levels are definitely, you have to do them in the right order in order to, to yeah. properly win. And you can fall off stuff. But other stuff you can't. It's it's kind when of you, uh, tricky you to say figure do it in it the right out. order. You're talking about like maybe kind of like a load runner thing where you don't get yourself trapped or kind of yeah, painted exactly. out of a thing. Okay. Because some things you can, like I said, you can fall off of some platforms onto the platform below. Uh -huh. But other ones that look almost exactly the same height, you can't do that with. Did this have any mystery platforms like load runner where you would fall through and you thought it was solid and you would just fall or was everything solid? Everything's solid. Everything's okay. solid, yeah. 
The only thing it adds in the later levels, we can see them both on here actually, is the little springboards where you can jump super high and then also the little transporter, teleporters, whatever you want to call them. Beam me up, Captain. Cool stuff. I really wanted to play this because I do like Miners 24 and 9 I just couldn't get my ducks in a row in time. I'm going to have to play well, one, one nice thing about this game I will mention too, and this this was pretty rare for the couple of time. I think some of Steve or Bjork games did this too, is that each player can select their own start screen and their own level of play. And the higher the level of play goes, the less amount of time the power pellets work. So you know, if you're playing like level nine, because it's zero to nine, mm-hmm. basically you eat one of them, you've got like half a second to kill something and then it's 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 done. So the nice thing is if you're playing with like a say younger child that doesn't really you know have the skills or the experience to play it properly, instead of them getting frustrated watching you play for a long period of time and they you know die really quickly, you can actually completely change the screen start and the level of play for each player. Right, and kind of handicap it. Yeah. That's cool. And you know, Stevie, just because uh, you didn't play it this week doesn't mean you can't load it up and try it yeah, no, another I week do. when it's not the game on. No, I do. I'm going to try to do that uh, possibly <laughs> yeah, We have evening. another channel for that, actually. So that's... Uh... Yeah, no, I like this. I like this style game. So this is up my alley. I did find it. It was a fun game to play. Um, I played it with the Black Beauty, which I uh, didn't try it with any other joysticks. So I saw in the uh, chat that the, somebody tried playing it on BCC with the mouse, and that was horrible. So <laughs> most joystick mm-hmm. games with the mouse are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. That's that's what I have to say about that. So just out of curiosity, and this is uh, more possible part part opinion, and I'm sure there's there's a way to resource the fact. But what do you think one of the earliest style games for this was, where you had basically platforms and ladders, and you had to avoid things? Because one of the ones that comes to mind is Space Panic, um, and then of course there was Load Runner um, and a few others, and and and, and you know you, then you look at your Donkey Kongs and things like that. But this. This style gameplay has defined what we call the platformer genre because you're walking on platforms, you're going up and down on ladders, and you're dealing with, um, with you know, enemies. What do you think one of the earliest platform games was? Hmm. Or the original? What, do, what is your opinion on what you think the original platform game was? Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong would be my guess. No, well, before Donkey before Kong. That, there was... I think Space Panic and Load Runner were before that. And things on Load Runner was after. Okay. On the, uh, on the Atari 2600, there was on the Atari 2600, you had a few games, I think, like... Uh, I think Miner? Um, was there Squish'em, I think, was where you were going up a building, and which was similar to this, hmm. but you... Yeah, because the original Donkey the, Kong came out in the arcade in 81, wasn't it? Yeah, and I think the on the Atari 2600, there was a couple games like this, about 79, 80... So when did when did Space Panic come out? The original Space Panic in the arcade. That, I'm that pretty inspired. sure that was after Donkey Kong. You think so? I don't know. That's we'll have to check. I that. think it was the same year, but I think it was a few months later. I might be wrong on that. But we'll have to get our uh, crack team of yeah, our investigators team of, on yeah, this. Yeah, but I, I to, to, to com, me, look it up, folks. To me, a screen that looks like this is a is the most '80s thing you you can do. You know, other than like a can of hairspray and you know neon tights and stuff. This this style screen to me just screams '80s. You know, the uh, even the flickering of it. You know, is that this is what a lot of our games look like in the arcade and on our home computers? Just platforms and ladders and and just weird little critters you had to avoid you know so i have and a... this color palette it is kind of neon yeah <laughs> true <laughs> but yeah this so this to me this is a really nostalgic feel of this kind of game here you know 
No, Alan Murphy's saying Space Pack of 1980. So that is before. Yeah, and he says it's generally noted as the prototype of the uh, platformer. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Yeah, I do want to play with it. Okay, so that was uh, last week's game. And this week's game is a suggestion from Rondell Vaughn. Is it is it we is it Coco Weefax? Unfortunately, it is not Weefax. Is it, is it high color? And it's not Dino Wars. Is it color script is first. Masters high color. No? Is it Mopar? Mopar. And it, yeah. <laughs> it kind of fits in with the Dragon special for next week, or the Dragon mm-hmm. uh, um stuff. So oh, uh, yeah. which one is that? Lunatech or is that Psydabs or whatever? That is. Dun, dun, dun. Just change screens here. He just posted this 3D. on Facebook recently, saying this 3D. is a cool dragons game. Space Wars. 3D Space 3D Wars. Space Wars. 3D. Do you need glasses? Do I need red and blue glasses to play this game? No, you do not. Okay. Andrew Braybrook. Oh. I recognize yes. that name. The mighty mighty Houston consultants. Andrew Braybrook. <laughs> And it is available on all of our favorite places. And uh, one thing, however, I did try it out. And it says that uh, you can use the keyboard, but I couldn't get the keyboard to work on the uh, version that I had found. It might have been been the dragon version because it might be the dragon version. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. It's. It will work. Listed you just got to find Coco. the right keys. It's listed as a Coco version, but mm. I'm assuming it's probably the dragon version. So. But the joystick works fine. And uh, there are uh, uh, other versions with a different colored um, banner in the beginning. Okay. Oh, okay. Looks like Jason the Coco Man Records got his up already. Up and running. Found it in the usual spot very quickly. Okay. Yep. Cool stuff. So it's called 3D... 3D Space Wars. 3D Space War. Cool stuff. Wars. So it's under 3D. Wars. Multiple. Has, so there's more than one war. Good sound. <laughs> Yeah, so you guys that recognize the author's name, uh, what, what's the background of him? Because I don't know too much about Houston Consultants. So they did a bunch of different platform games. Um, they had quite a bit of a catalog. One of their more popular games is known as Paradroid, and it's kind of a four-way scroller game, but it really stood out for the time because there was a mini game baked into it where you take over a robot's little microchip brain and that one's kind of a classic they had another two-way scroller called uridium where you fly and shoot across all these space platforms kind of like a top-down zaxxon idea really really popular i remember that on the commodore 64 uridium uh well and they also did zx games and just a whole big pile of stuff but one of the things i liked about houston was that they tried a bunch of different visual styles so they had the was it nebulous or tower toppler had like a pseudo 3D look where you jump around from platform to platform around the outside of a cylindrical building. And, you know, just they, they tried some really interesting stuff and they had some really good graphics and music uh, across, at least on the Commodore side. But uh, as I keep going along, I keep finding more and more of their games on other platforms. And they, they did seem to try to take whatever platform it was as far as they could. But uh, if you haven't ever played Paradroid, it's been ported kind of like Dungeons of Dagrath. It's been ported to the PC and upgraded and changed and added and expanded. It's a really great game. 
Cool. Yeah, Iridium, I think that if I remember correctly, that's that, like a cylindrical tower and you're running around and kind of spins the platforms as you're running around. Is no. that, that was Nebulous. Oh, okay. Sorry. And according to um, some research uh, I did, <laughs> this game has the, the name of the bad guys are, are baddies and they're spelled backwards. Yeah. So, that's on 3D that? Space Wars. Yeah, What's and um, the colors change on the on the um on your energy level or something sometimes when i boot it up it would change flip to a different color hmm. <laughs> what the artifact comes was it the artifact well, red it, blue maybe maybe okay you, you would think since this was an originally a dragon game then they would not be using artifact colors not on purpose anyway they probably were trying yeah, to yeah so vertical stripes or something. so i'll just run it in rgb as intended okay well Looks cool. Good job. Thanks, Ken. And I thank you, Rondelvo, for the uh, suggestion. Yeah, I, I found it on my dragon, you know, on the uh, stuff I got, you know, put on my dragon SD card. So, yeah, you can play it on the uh, Coco 1, 2, or 3, or the dragon if you have your dragon out. And the various simulators, X-Roar, BCC. And before main. this show is over, Jim Gary will have an MC10 port that you can play as well. So, uh, and it even works on my Coco 3. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Um, that was good. Uh, Sloopy Malibu, you're waving your hands. Hi, Sloopy. Oh, and I forgot also. Greetings. Now, how about uh, we talk to Sloopy about how the game went uh, this week, the uh, broadcast. Live via satellite. <laughs> uh, Sloopy Malibu. <laughs> Ah, greetings. Uh, let's see here. Yep, this one, share. And... Your, hair, your hair looks nice today, Slippy. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, look at it. We had at least yep. four people playing at once. Yes, we had a uh, total of um, six players, four at once. Um, we uh, actually got uh, Exile in Paradise, a.k.a. Mr. Murphy, to... Uh, significantly increase his game skills and uh usually he will uh play a game and not get very high score but we actually got him to score over ten thousand this wow. week. wow now just out of curiosity this game screams keyboard can it play on the keyboard it doesn't require a joystick i do not know okay i i played in the emulator using the joystick emulation through the keyboard ah okay um, yeah on I PCC, couldn't see you could emulate the keyboard. Yeah, or... I couldn't find any keyboards other than. Yeah, I, also... I think it requires a joystick on real okay. hardware. Okay. Yeah, I played and I played it on real hardware with a joystick, and uh, it was it was pretty good. So, but yeah, we uh, we had the usual people and then a, f a few other extras. We're hoping to have more. Um, and as a general announcement, just so everybody knows, this coming week. We will be playing on Tuesday instead of Wednesday because of the holiday Thursday. Okay. So. What holiday Thursday? Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> Canadians. See. You never know with them. That's right. Which day is it now? It's really, on... really late Thanksgiving again, aren't you? Oh. It's on Tuesday. You guys yeah. do realize that Thanksgiving was like a month and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We prefer to have it when there's no snow. Yeah. First, I offended uh, the Canadians America. at, uh, Co at uh, Coco Talk, and I mean at, Co at uh, Coco Fest, and now I'm offending them on the Coco Talk show. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I I think the uh, the uh, Canadians are getting 
are going to get straight up miffed with me or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just blame it on Abraham Lincoln. I think he was the one that changed the date. Yeah. Ah. And Karen, so. Karen Sixy has joined us recently. He says, I'm late. Keith Clark is saying, hi, everyone. And Rocky Hill says, I played on uh, using the joystick on real hardware. I was testing and, the Daiquiri board. Yeah. Okay. And I want to thank uh, Kieran for uh, releasing the uh, X-War 1.0 so that uh, I could play on the X-War on the show. Excellent. Yeah, this is cool. I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, so the game on. So this, how about since we're talking about it right now, and we have, and anybody watching, feel free to chime in too. Um, I know it's kind of a new segment, so I don't know that it's necessarily taken the world by storm, and I don't know that it needs to take the world by storm. But we're trying to do a live participation where we're getting people to play the game together during the week. And what's your feel on it, Sloopy? Since you've been hosting it, has it, has it been? Um, a good time by those who uh, are there? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a good time. Um, I mean, we've had up to seven, eight, nine people at once. Right. Uh, I think it's just that after the Cocoa Fest, I mean, everyone's busy with uh, with after, and then now everyone's getting uh, busy with uh, the holidays coming up. But mm -hmm. I feel that the, um, the views on the show are like, in the 40 range, which okay. is a pretty good uh, showing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I had a drop of my uh, my uh, internet stream while during the middle of the show, and the first the first hour and a half, and then the re remaining two and a half hours, uh, both both streams got over 40 views. So, that's pretty I good. feel that it's doing pretty good. Yeah, and when you think about it, we, we uh, an average week we have about 18 participants. So, if you've got six people doing it live that's a third of the people who play throughout the week that's a, that's percentage wise that's pretty good and you get like eight or nine people that's half the participants and the idea is is just taking it to another level of interactivity so the whole idea is yes. we're playing throughout the week but we're all playing individually and just throwing up pictures later on if we can play together it's just another level of 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 you know connectivity of yes. you know just more collaboration and and kind of team team spirit kind of fun rah rah right so um and helping each other out the, yes and the other thing weird you're sitting there trying to play the game and nick marindy's legendary game designer is telling you to jump left climb ladders he's <laughs> got that australian lag so you've already like you know half a platform over from where he told well, you to do it but he's in the future too so he's yeah. seen what happened before yeah. you did so <laughs> you're gonna die you're gonna die you're all gonna die game over man i had no clue what i was doing it you know here's nick and sloopy just like Hey, wait, no, go back. You did that wrong. Well, that's what this does. Oh, so you really don't need to read the manual as long as they're on. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a manual. I, I don't understand this manual you're talking about. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> a man, manual is a, a guy that we have on the show that tells you how to play. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. But uh, I also <laughs> want to say is that, honestly, you don't even, if, if you don't like the game that week, you don't even have to play it. Come on the show, and as long as you're playing anything Coco related, I'm good with it. You just so. make uh, sarcastic remarks. Oh yeah, just yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what Nick's Come on and ridicule the game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, don't don't. Uh, uh, spe speaking of hecklers and such, uh, don't say that you're too good uh, to play with us unless you're willing to come in and put up and shut up. I'm not going to name names, but El Presidente knows who he is. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. So, 
Yeah, that's cool. That is cool. Uh, so, L. Curtis Boyle, do we have game on related news that we can just keep the very game short one so we can go straight into it? Straight short news. All right, take it away, L. Curtis, with the game related news. Mm-hmm. Oh, professional intro. Oh, we're still Not on the, the same game topic. On yeah. <clears throat> so, if you remember last week, we covered all those MC10 games we found that that yeah. Japanese site has been doing, mm-hmm. and uh, there was one. That was on the Coco, but not on the MC10. That has been fixed this week. Okay. So this is the MC10. I'll just play a little bit of it here, but this is a clone of Xevious. Get out of town. Impetus. They make pills for Impetus now, don't they? <laughs> oh, that looks very Xevious-y. Ooh, there's a bad guy. Oh, I like the uh, kind of spray pattern of dots to... Look like landscape. like ground. Yeah. Definitely a forest. Ooh. Now this one, because probably single button, so you can't delimiate between uh, firing yeah. and bombing, right? So it's just... And because it's so multi-platform, like for literally dozens of systems and fairly obscure ones in some cases, I think they probably have the lowest common denominator. That right, right, right. Okay, so now we went from some like grass or tree stuff to some solid objects here. Like I said, this game's given Gunstar a run for its money. Yeah, it kind of looks like it. <laughs> well, he managed to cram it into like 20k, so yeah, I mean, right? you know, Nick, Nick's a pig with RAM. Crikey. So. <laughs> <laughs> but still, Jim Gary made some pretty good comments in the MC10 group on Facebook. You see, we've doubled, doubled our ML game library in the yeah. span of a week. Yeah, yeah. So this is the MC10 version. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. So I have been look, looking at it looks like most of the Coco versions require 32k and run in P mode 3. Okay. Most of the MC10 versions, well, all the MC10 versions run in P mode 1 because that's all we could do without you know, modifying right. the motherboard. So. Right. It's a bit lower res, but um, functionally and the graphics are very similar. Just not yeah. quite as detailed. So do you have do you have video of the Coco th- the Coco 2 version too? Uh will not, this be going up on Coco Pi 2? Eventually. Uh, that's a question for Ron Klein. I don't see why it couldn't. It could just yeah, be. Yeah, I mean, they're all free to... downloads and free webs, yeah. so definitely could. Ron's been maintaining the links to repositories and whatnot, so. Uh... Oh, here I. Yeah, here's the Coco version right here. Okay, slightly higher. So this is rest. a download page. It's got the uh, system on the left and any system requirements. MC Tender needs a 16K upgrade. Coco needs 32. Loading instructions, what you have to do, and the release date. So if you want to see. Clodum exec. Would this have played on the FM7? Uh, that might be one of the systems on here. I can't remember. Impetus. Oh, the music's a little better, too. Can you make it bigger, Curtis? Make it full screen? I can try. Is that full screen for you? Yeah, it's full screen. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like the frame rate's a little bit smoother on his horizontal scrolling. Graphics are definitely higher res, which looks good. Yeah. Sound effects are about the same, but yeah. Yeah, the sound effects are a little bit better because of the six. Yeah, the music sounded cleaner. Even had some decay and attack yeah. on the music that the one bit version doesn't have. Yeah, a little smoother. And instead of being straight lines, it's now kind of, you know, stair steppy gradient lines and stuff, so it's a little bit of uh, more texture or personality to it, so that's cool. Yeah, 
Man, it's just like free software is just falling out of the sky, you know? Yeah. That's cool. But I mean, if you take a look at the number of systems this is out for, it's yeah. like, holy crap. Oh, crikey. Look at all that. Like, there's Spectrums. There's a bunch of Japanese machines. Um, Apple IIs. Even the Apple II. Just tons of stuff, so. That is very cool. Hey, next up, uh, Parasurat. Of course, everybody knows that the Super Sprite... FM Plus board, which is basically taking MSX2 hardware, sprite chip, and the sound chips and putting them onto a little cartridge you can plug into your Cocoa Dragon. Uh, Parasurat has been, of course, writing little demos and music player streamers and stuff like that. And then he released, earlier in the week, he released two games of the AGD ones that he converted over. And then later this week, he released his first official game pack, nice. which is six games combined. 32K required, no 64K, so that fits Dragon 32 people as well. Now, this was a bit of a, a surprise, six or nine is required for it so you will need to, to compensate for the msx2 faster clocks interesting okay yeah so i haven't had a chance to try any of these because I, I believe mame actually emulates this now but here's the six games that are currently ported over and i'm sure nice. he's working on the other ones even as we speak but any of you guys that have this board and i know some people in the audience do have it i would love to see some live gameplay footage on the show at some point maybe next week or the next couple of weeks to this kind of is, see what it is emulatable like. in mame so um, you can run the Dragon or the Cocoa with this board in MAME, and you can even do it from the Cocoa Pi. Yeah. So, but I would like to see it running on real. Oh, hardware, yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. For shizzle. Uh, cool stuff. So if you want to grab those, you can actually go download them from um, Dragon Plus Electronics, which is the place that actually sells the Super Sprite FM Plus board, uh, John Whitford's site. So Nice. Next up, this is the follow-up from last week. So Dave Sheary, um, of Mr. Dave 639 fame, mentioned the Kickstarter or Kickstarter project that he's got going here for uh, his one game here. And actually, he reached his uh, $500 goal nice. this week. So he's got some other, you know, higher goals for getting, you know, physical printouts with manuals and everything else, too. So, you know, please keep supporting the project. But that's enough. I think it's a full go-ahead. He'll actually get this done and, and get it out. And he's also, you know, working on some hardware to go along with it, too. So very nice when we get closer to that we'll, we'll have him on a, as a follow-up and the next step we got jim gary of course uh, ported that game we were talking about it no i'm just kidding he just, uh, <laughs> this just in <laughs> jim gary has ported the universe to the mc yeah, 3d space wars has been converted <laughs> in the span of five minutes <clears throat> now this is a game called peepers and this was originally for the uh the sinclair zx81 and originally published in a magazine called ZX Computing in the August to September 1983 issue. So I'll play a little Creepers, of that. Creepers, where'd you get those peeps? You are the thing with the green background. To move left, okay. Crikey. Oh, that's cool. I see what we're doing here. We got some semi-graphics, but then we also have some text graphics. Uh, so you have yep. like the letter O on, an, on the orange background. Shooting some lasers. And I get no pew pew sounds here. Pew pew. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, pew. I've got the sound turned on, so I, maybe it doesn't pew. have sound in here. Or did, uh, did Stevie, Stevie will come to your home pew, and pew. make the sound effects That's for right. your game. <laughs> no multi-pack required. Uh, Much to pew, your horror. Pew, but... pew. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. I like the exclamation points for your yeah. laser fire. Pew. Yeah. Laser. Freaking It's kind of like that Defender style, you know. Yeah. Breaking apart flying. <laughs> so, so is this a laser pointer pointing, uh, shooting the cats in the yes. windows? Now, 
Way to bring it to a dark place, Luke. Oh, Karen says this actually caused a basic interpreter to trigger a bug in XROR, which is now fixed. So Jim Gary's code is breaking the emulators. He's like, there's another Simon Jonasson in the making here. Pew, pew, it's working. Pew. No, he's not breaking. He's working to troubleshoot. I'm, I'm curious, Sixy, Karen, what exactly did it break? That it broke basic that in your... Yeah. Pew. emulator i'm kind of curious what that what what kind of weird thing did that cause so basically this is uh, taking out the hollywood squares is that what this game is all about <laughs> jim j bullock pew pew <laughs> <laughs> so or it did something weirder this is shoot the coco talk panel <laughs> <laughs> there you go that's that's our panel right now yeah. and uh, jim's taking care of us all <laughs> so it did something weirder than stevie's sound effects pew pew I don't know if that's possible, but sure. And broke this broke it. <laughs> anyway, that's it for Game On News this week. It's been a light week after all those MC10 games last week. So that's it for Game Feels On. like we News, just started. Yes. Um, do we need to take a break before news, or do we want to just roll into news? Is Not any... too many news stories. So well, we've been here. Rondo vows the uh, is the is the potty break meter. Ron, do you need a potty break? Always, always. Always good right, for so you. So we're gonna take a we're gonna it, this it's in his contract. We have to take a mm. designated Rondelvo potty break right now, ladies and gentlemen. So we will back we'll be back after these words with Blah. news with Gail Curtis Boyle. And how about a little bit of since we've done one DeBruce Moore commercial and we showed off uh Coco Forever, let's do a two for DeBruce commercial and let's do a little bit of Forest of Doom here. And we'll be back Forest after these Doom. words. Coco Talk is brought to you in part by Placebux Dietary Supplement. Placeblex. We think it works, so will you. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. Oh, I remember that Christmas. Dad gave me my first shortwave radio from Radio Shack. What memories. This Christmas, we got our son's color computer three from Radio Shack. It hooks right up to our TV and was on sale for less than $130. The color computer three makes learning fun. Jimmy even lets me use it for word process. When he isn't playing computer games. Lucky I still got my shortwave. Save $70 on the sale-priced Color Computer 3, only at Radio Shack. Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie's Trophy. Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter, stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. For the tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. This is Ken Reichard, author of Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. And you're experiencing... Coco Talk? Just when you thought it was safe to go back to Coco Fest. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Coco Fest Edition? Still low resolution, still digital to analog converted sound. More machine language. And basic. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. 
now includes the power of Terry to clear the road ahead. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Available as a DVD-ROM with all my past games as an alleged bonus, including my unreleased fourth Rainbow Adventure contest entry. Unreleased for a reason. Nightmare Highway. Nightmare Highway. Get your physical or digital copy at cancanmakeit.com. Now you've really paid too much. Nick Marionette on Electricity. Crikey! Electricity's a fan. The big market is just open flame. Brought to you by Nitro Stein, Ease of Use Edition. Hashtag OS9 Forever. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on News with El Curtis Boyle. And now a Muppet News Flash. And take it away, L. Curtis Boyle. Okay, everybody seeing that screen there? I see a screen. TR Sadie Color cool. Computer. Paris Arat. Yeah, so Pear has been kind of busy with the Super Sprite. We just mentioned in the Game On News there that he released the six-pack of AGD games. So this is some of the other stuff he's updated for it this week. <clears throat> All this is available on the DragonPlusElectronics.co.uk site, which will actually show their, their page a little second here or two. So this is a whole bunch of the sound stuff he's been doing. So he's doing PCM WAV files to play on the Orchestra 90, which is not even on that board, but just to make a complete set. Um, he's got stuff for the two YM chips. He's got stuff to convert MP3 files over. Uh, collections of songs, you know, like a couple dozen per disc type thing. So all that's been released as well. And you can all go to the site that actually sells the Super Sprite board. And they've got a separate section that you can go to to download manuals and guides. So they've got the updated manuals here, build instructions in case you bought the kit version of it. And then they've got all the software here. So that first version of the AGD games here, you've got the Super Sprite compilation toolkit, palette demos, 1480 column demos, chip tunes. Um, he's got six through nine versions of some stuff, six out of nine for most. Um, here's a bunch of the other players too for various CPUs. Just there's a ton of stuff that Pear's been doing. Just the, the exciting thing for me, besides the hardware itself, <clears throat> is this is hardware that's coming out with full software support right off the gate, the yeah. get go. Yeah. Normally yeah. we get a board and then you have to wait two or three years until somebody takes the time to write something. Pear hit the ground running here and now we've got a ton of stuff, sample code, all kinds of things. So. I'm really hoping this does take off, especially with Coco 1 and 2, because this really kicks it up a notch. And with rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. So Exactly. Uh, yeah. Cool stuff. Thank you, Pear. So once once again, if any of you guys actually have the real hardware, I would love to see the stuff live demoed on the show, um, even if you have to hold the camera aimed at a screen type yeah. thing, just so we can see and hear it on real hardware. I, gotta order I, I realize we can do it on main, but that's... that's yeah, yeah. I'm going to... That's, go, you know, uh, distorting it. That's distorting the hobby. Absolutely. We can all get on board with that. All right, so Tandy Assembly. All right. Yeah, so this is uh, Jeff Bird who was at Tandy Assembly, and he posted a short uh, walkthrough video of Tandy Assembly that he made, and he was what? actually one of the speakers at it. Did he say this is the greatest Tandy show? I, I would like to have him refrain from making unsubstantiated claims, but okay, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it looks good. Yeah, so... This is him there. <clears throat> this is a little, did a little intro. He, he kind of talks about some of the stuff that he talked about in his talk. He goes into uh, you know the stuff he saw there at exhibitors, etc. 
and some of the stuff he picked up at the show too. So I won't play it here because it's like 12 minutes, but uh, and I show the show floor, the organization of it, showing some of the boots, yeah, et cetera. So absolutely. if you weren't able to make it to Tandy Assembly and you maybe, maybe you've just seen still shots that were put up on Facebook earlier, you can kind of get a better feel for the show here. It actually goes into the pen plotter at the back there that did all those portraits. There's some pretty cool portraits done in there too. Both the people that are at the show plus, you know, famous figures like Albert Einstein, et cetera. So that was pretty cool. Definitely worth a listen to, especially if you're somebody that's into the wider Tandy community, not just the Coco. Yeah, well, scrub through it a little bit. Let's let's uh, let's see some of the um, area it... to the right. This was a fourth or fifth year of the assembly, and I'm told apparently was red was the color. Huh? The size it was. If you didn't get the memo. It was difficult to impossible for our international friends to attend in person this year, due to the continuing travel restrictions. That's Peter Satinsky. Taking a walk through the display area, yeah, there's his new uh, roundup like game. other vintage computer platforms. Oh, cool. New games, oh, yeah, that looks Stampede, good. Uh, Stampede, that looks good. For various He's not got competition from Nick Marini's, of course, because he this just really round up. Round up. Oh, he's got on a floppy end cassette in a Ziploc bag. That's cool. And came on an actual Authentic packaging there. Disc or cassette tape. And it I like their arrangement. You can watch the presentation from your booth. One of the slickest products I've Yeah, I've heard that there were kind of pros and cons for that, too. Built so, for various oh. TRS-80 models. Standard off-the-shelf Meanwell power supplies were mounted to thick custom PCBs, which have right, the correct scrub, scrub a little bit. This is cool, though. No, this is really good this coverage. This easy... is really good. There's a Brian Schubert, Brian I think, Schubert. still on our panel right now, isn't he? Yeah. The Model 100s were not abundant this year. But still represented. Is that Randy Kendig? The little box at the back of the yeah, table is a backpack drive. It arrived just before he left for the show, so he brought it with him without even opening it first. For TRS-80 Maybe some of those oh, pen That looks really good. We'll Charles Tandy there. Look at yeah. this whole oh, wall. That's uh, Ian Maverick. Plots that he recently Albert did. Einstein. Oh, yeah. I didn't see all the bottom row there at the, the show. difference but... here in the same picture plotted It looks like John Linville there in the black. hat. And I don't I recognize some of, some of these. these are random yeah. pictures off the internet and some are of the presenters. 48K Ram down in the lower left there is one of the Eagle streamers. There are also a couple of TRS-80 emulators on display. This is the Pocket Trisk board, which was built using a ESP32 module to keep it relatively inexpensive. Dash one it's uh, open source. I'll cool. put the link below. Very cool. Uh, this is the Scope 80, which is uses a cycle act of putting there. on the show. Oh, the Alice. Nice. The yeah, in the actual case, they sold it in, in France. So. Tandy, I think this is John's, if I remember correctly. That looks really this, good. This yeah, because there's some of the red cartridge boxes there, too. So, yeah. And a red carrying suitcase. Yeah, and, and that, that's Alice color at this point. Color. Right? So. Yep. <laughs> oh, look at that. Ooh, that's a nice one, huh? That that I'm jealous of. That's a beauty. That's pretty cool. Get some help with your challenging graphics board. Yeah, GoTech in there. What you working on? Oh, they had to oh, cut the corner uh, off the case and fit it in the B that is cool. carrying case. All right, that's that's good coverage. Yeah, make sure we get the link to that posted out there. That that is a really yep. good coverage of the of the Tandy assembly this year. Good yep. job. All, all links to all stories we have are always in our Discord in the, the news topic. Very good. The news part. Very good. Thank you. Uh, what's the person's name again? Scroll down a little bit. Jeff Burt. Hi. Okay. Thank you, Jeff, for doing that. Because for those of us who could not be there, we now have a way to enjoy it virtually. Cool stuff. Yeah. Then Karen, of course, uh, the big news this week was that he released officially 1.0 of XOR, and then he quickly did the 1.01 to fix the bug we just talked about, which he actually mentioned on the chat here. 
specifically on the 6803, the test command clears the carry bit. On on the 6809, which he's more used to, it does not. So he carried over the 6809, you know, behavior onto the 6803, which did not work, and that's what caused that bug in Jim Carrey's game. So that's mm. now fixed. That's why we got a 1.01. All but right. uh, his notes for 1.01 here, I mean, you can see all the stuff that's been added, which is like Coco 3 support and fixing MPI stuff, MC10 support, etc. Like this is a huge upgrade release here because now it's emulating Dragon 32, Dragon 64, Dragon 200, Dragon Alpha, Dragon It's almost becoming like main mess where multiple... But, but for the Coco community uh, yes, specifically. Yeah, Co it's, it's, like cool. the, it's the official Coco mess at this point where it's emulating its... Super it system. gets rid of all the chuff of C64 and all right, stuff. and, and you know, gets, gets, <laughs> gets rid of the uh, multitude of developers that continuously break each other's work. Right, so now, um, yeah, now now he can do it all on his own. Yeah, that's right. Like that's right. <laughs> anyway, freely available for download. There are versions for Linux, Windows, and Mac OS, so it's multi you know platform for the host. Um, he's actually got a manual online you can grab. Um, there's a bunch of command line options. Like if you're running it through the GUI, that's nice and easy to get, you know, a game quickly mounted or something. But if you want to really get into the power up, there's a ton of command line options that you can do that you can't normally, you can mount, you know, some of this extra hardware we've been talking about. So definitely go through the manual if you're doing that and then learn how to run it through the manual line because it's a much more powerful program. I'm hoping at some point he will update the GUI to allow access to some of that for the people that just don't like running command line stuff. So. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Karen. Quality I will mention too. I don't know if uh, like a, there's no website, but it was just an announcement on Facebook. But congratulations to the Coco Group podcast, which of course, as we mentioned, was you know originally created to help promote uh, Coco Fest, uh, which has now had over 250,000 accumulated downloads over its six and a half year run. And the fact that the viewer numbers for their podcast, for the Amigos podcast, and our podcast have all been going up the last couple of years. Like it's not like one stealing from the other. Everybody's going up. The Coco community as a whole is increasing. Which is great news for everybody, I think. So I just. Uh, this is why you're wrong, Curtis. Uh, <laughs> 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 they say rising tides raises all ships or something like that. So yeah. Uh, yeah until you run your head into the ceiling. But anyway. Yeah. No, it's it's good the, news uh, that there's, their numbers have been going up. Our numbers are going up. I did want to point out one thing here the Dragon special that we did, what's it, about a month and a half ago, a month ago? Um, if you combine, like that one was where we had technical problems. It got broken up into four or five parts and you, you had to put it all back together into a six hour, you know, cohesive show. Uh, if you combine the uh, the viewing of the broke apart version plus the full version that was released, it's just a hair under a thousand downloads for that episode alone. One so, million views. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's been a pretty that's, successful that's, show and yeah, we've got the sequel yeah. coming up next week. So. Yeah, one, yeah, 1K. That is, that's, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think out of the Coco talk episodes, I think that's amongst the highest. Maybe the 8 bit guy one was higher than that. The one where we interviewed him. Mm hmm. Cool stuff. Yeah. Next up, we got Mike Rojas, who, um, and he mentions here at the top, uh, he saw Nick, uh, I hope I pronounced this right, Brisivax keyboard replacement, which I'll show it in a little bit here. Uh, but he's actually planning on, on actually selling this, and he's got the, you know, the parts list here, and he's planning to sell this for around $23 plus shipping. So this is a keyboard replacement of the the membrane, you know, the thing that keeps wearing down and quits working and keys stop working. People fix it with defog paint and stuff, and then that wears out and screws up again, too. So this is a harder hardware version of it with real switches, etc. That's actually quite cheap, and he kind of shows here what the rough board looks like. Um, and then you basically this replaces the one inside your Coco 3. You use your existing keys, you use the existing frame, 
and you just plug it in. But this is something that should last a long time and has like you know much better quality. Is this similar what you got, Rick Ulan? Because that sounds yes, a lot like it a looks movie. very familiar to me. <laughs> yeah, because Rick had one of these so, for demo at Coco Fest, and he had a Coco Three, you know, with the Coco Three keycaps, yeah. but the mechanical. And as John pointed out, Cloud Nine had one. Like Mark showed this one off, but I don't think Mark is selling this yet, is he? This this is way more of a pain in the butt you would think. Getting all of those switches lined up with all of those little actuators in the cocoa <laughs> through right. a third party in China is uh daunting. Yeah. And here's like with the finished product, once you put it in, that you can't really tell unless you look at the connector that it's any different than the regular Cobra 3. So for those yeah. who don't want to the extra cost of getting a completely new keyboard from like Ed Snyder. So scroll and back that's... up there again, because I mean, what's that's uh... pretty cool. Yeah. Do you want me to click on one of these to zoom it up? No, or... no, no, no. Just I know what he's doing. Never mind. I'm just I'm just gonna. Yeah, we both got exactly the same solution. Um, yeah. Just... Yeah, and he was mentioning like he went through the, like there's different switches, different resistance, like how hard you have to press to get it to press. And I know like the Apple II used to have the reset button that was way harder to press than the rest. He wouldn't do it by accident. Uh -huh. I don't know uh -huh. if Rick or, or you or if he has uh, you know thought about you know, maybe the brake he needs a little bit of extra resistance or something like that, or is that just too much of a pain in the butt <laughs> to worry about? <laughs> The, the idea is the actuators on the Tandy keys are so weak that you need yeah, the very gram lightest force. gram force that mm. you need that. And about 80, it starts becoming unreliable. And by 100, it's, I, I don't, I, I, some of his descriptions don't match my experience um, using, okay. the, using the keys the way they're, well, Tandy designed it to work with membranes. So there was actually almost no force required at all. And they just wanted to keep your force away from that key switch contact. So when you bashed your fist on the keyboard, you didn't just break all the switches. So uh, <laughs> when you try to make a mechanical switch work with that system, which is what you have to do to make this all cost effective, you need a very gently, you know, you need a light touch switch. So you're limited to the very, the very light end of what's available. Yeah. But it's but, nice that these solutions are coming up because the membranes, like I've got a Coco 3 keyboard here that I've got just sitting out as a spare now, but its its membrane is gone. And I have defogged right. it once and it's wore off again. So it, well, at this and point, there's, just... Some of the traces are starting to actually curl up and peel off in the interior of the membrane. So you yeah, can't like they, fix they have that a shelf because... life now that basically they're not going to work after a certain yeah. point. So it's nice we have right. replacements and you don't yeah. have to rebuy the whole keyboard. I mean, I love my Ed Snyder keyboards. I did buy two of them. Uh, but the the cost, if you're, if you're cost, you know, aware, uh, you need something that you can afford that's cheap. This is like a quarter of the cost of a full blown. Now, I do have a question for Rick. Now I, I see these ones are red. Is is your board a different color? I'm old school green because that's microscopically cheaper to do. Yes, it's very <laughs> microscopically <laughs> cheaper. I but okay. I that's I don't know. I usually buy the red board. ones. Uh, How much microscopically cheaper? We're talking like three cents a board or something? Yeah, who, who knows? I'm I. The ones that I have now are considered prototypes, so I just took the default everything. Yeah, the, the um, turnaround time on the green ones are a little quicker. And you know, you know um, the next one, I, who knows? Now, are, they, are these affected by part shortages too? Like, are switches and stuff hard to get now as well, or is that just chips that are the issue? In in my case, no. But to justify paying for shipping from china i need to do several projects in one shipment i can't just 
send the one board from this, especially because it's the big board that's going to drive the shipping cost. And uh, I'd really like to get the network board kind of bundled in with this and, you know, <laughs> get moving. Now, one one question I did notice that a few people would ask, if they have the older D&E boards, which don't have ribbon cable, they have that little header connector. And I know back in the day they sold for five bucks a little adapter that would plug in. Is that something that any of you have been able to find? Because I haven't seen too many mentions of that, but I've seen people requesting it. I had to invent my little board to go into the cocoa motherboard because I couldn't find anything. I looked okay. pretty far and wide. <laughs> so like 3D printing case shells and stuff to make up for not being able to find a commercial part. Hmm. So it seems like the the combined price here ten twenty yeah twenty five dollars if you want to do it yourself to buy yeah. all the parts and he's planning on selling it for twenty three plus shipping so he's not yeah. really doing it for profit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I, I like I'm I'm gonna wait till Rick's got one for sale that I can just buy because <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> I, I don't want to do nothing. <laughs> so. You don't want to have Curtis solder your board together no, for you? No, 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 no. Oh, I no. can offer that service. I yeah. hope you don't. No, want but to I type gotta say I did again. I did do some touch typing uh, on testing on the keyboard that Rick had at Cocoa Fest and it felt good. It felt nice and clicky. And yeah. I did the same like, with Mark's thing you know, from a few years before that when he had it out for a demo too. Yeah, but it's never, to my knowledge, I don't know if it's ever been available for sale. No, I don't so, think so. Um, at least these will be ones that will hopefully be available for the public to purchase in the near future. So uh, cool stuff. Exactly. Cool. And then uh, the Nick Bresovic version, this is kind of an oddball one. So he kind of did this himself just to get a working keyboard because his wasn't working at all. <laughs> oh, my beer. Wow. Oh, look at that. <laughs> look at that. But you notice the lack of a space bar. So people were asking, like, where's your space bar? That little gray thing on the far right, lower ah. right corner, that's his space bar. So he just basically had to get something working so he could type, period. So he just, like, hacked together with whatever he had kicking around. That's cool, though. Interesting. Yeah. I like, so, oh, look at, look, at the, look at the back there. Let's take a look at the bodge wires. Look at that. Oh, look at it. Wow, look, look at, at that those. spaghetti. Look at those bodge wires there, huh? Yeah. That and one day that's something I would never tackle my entire life. That's, yeah. uh, and one of those wires will be flying loose and you'll have no idea where it came. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with my soldering skills, it might be connected oh to my. four keys at once. Oh my. <laughs> but anyway, that was what inspired uh, Mike to put up his his version here. So this was just kind of a hack job he did to get a working keyboard. He said he could have you know properly rewired it and stuff, but he just kind of just jury rigged it as much as he could to just to get something functioning so you could type again. That's cool. So that's proper hackery, I think. That is right there. It's in the spirit. What Next up, uh, Jason Oakley here is posted an export script written in Lua, uh, which to be used with the, I'm not sure how to pronounce this, Ace Sprite, Sprite Editor. So he originally wrote it for the uh, the VZ200, which actually uses the VDG. We've which, you know, shown that in before. And in fact, I think that's one of the ports that the MC10 game we showed earlier is actually for that same machine too. So basically it's a sprite editor designed for some of these older machines. And he's got this port of a script here to port it out in EdTASM friendly FCB statements. Cause that's, she, that's not what the VZ200 uses in its assembly language. So now it'll actually export new FCBs ready to go, but you can actually edit this stuff on an existing editor that's fully debugged and been out for years and then just you know jam your sprites out from there and then run this quick script and it'll actually make it importing friendly into ed 
So for those of you that are using that type of a tool for drawing your sprites for four color modes, etc., mode ones and threes, maybe that's what the guys in Japan are using. I have no idea, but uh, that's a nice free download you can get off his GitHub. And he's got the little bit of details here, including this actual script itself. Um, kind of goes through. This is what the uh, VC200 assembly looks like. It uses DB, data byte, and of course we use FCB for single byte. So nice little tool for those writing games, etc. Like computer programming, added a couple more. He's kind of going through and learning, you know, some of the extended basic commands here. And he's, he did some experimentation doing a bouncing ball using the slow get put. You can watch it draw it down in a ripple as it goes. <laughs> kind of complaining about the speed. And then he did a page flip just between two to show much faster that is if you're just doing a quick animation of the bound, of ball bouncing back and forth. I did post a message to him about the fact that there is, if you don't use the G option, you can do byte aligned and it's a lot faster, like four to five times faster at least. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see if he tries that out and actually you know gets a, a version with that to show where the difference. Because I remember I did a little running guy that was probably about the same height as that ball and it was pretty fast using get put in basic, just as long as you use the the, the byte aligned only version where you don't use the G option. Because the G option's meant, if you want to grab a shape and then shift it a couple pixels and it has to like bit shift the entire image over to get it to land on the screen. Whereas the byte aligned when you, like on P-Mode 4, you have to do it every eight pixels, period, or it doesn't work. Alan Huffman's been kind of touching on this too on his basic series as well. So, And I did notice Alan's actually got some more content queued up to be released here over the next few days. Um, on his channel for some basic programming tips too. So uh, nothing was released as of this morning. So I think I'll probably wait till next week to go through some of his stuff as well. For those of you into C or C like oh, language, totally. CMOC has had an update release. Nice. So this is a uh, 0.1.72. And of course this is a, you host on a, a modern machine and then you compile C like programs down to the Cocoa and they will work. You can use it for both OS nine and for regular disk basic coding. And there's been several games released, uh, including by the author Pierre Zares himself. And I know Brendan Don, he does uh, some of his demos for the Coco VGA using CMOC and stuff as well. So this uh, fixes a bunch of bugs, of which he's got a list on here. He's also added a bunch of the memory functions from C, like memmove, memicarry, he's got VSF printf. Um, he's got some uh, optimizations. If you're telling it to make non-relocatable code, like code that's hard-coded for an address, you can actually speed up the code by pointing to tables and stuff by doing a load X with the pointer address to the table you want to do rather than doing an LAX type thing. So he's actually got some optimizations there. You can actually turn on and off. So if I understand right, this is uh, this is something you do on your PC. You write the code in, P, yes. uh, in C on your PC and then you compile it to something that can run on your Cocoa. Yeah. yeah cool. Cross assembly, cross, cross nice. development, yeah, cross compiling. Yeah. 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 And it's not full C, but it's, that. it's, C enough like that if you know C, you, you won't have any problems. He's always referred to it as a C-like language, and I don't know C. but and it, It's yeah. getting more and more C-like as he goes. I mean, yeah. these functions he just added here are all C functions that weren't in there before. So Yeah. It's been around for yeah. a while. It continues to get better. I, yeah, I, I mean, see one, what you did there. <laughs> ah, ah, one one of the games, we've got an old Coco 1-2 style card game uh, called Crazy 8s or something 8s? Color 8s, maybe. Is actually on EOU and it's actually a, a VDG style game that was written in CMOC um, for OS9. And of course, he's made versions for RSTOS. And, and like I said, Brendan and a bunch of others use it for RSTOS development all the time. I believe, to be more politically correct, we could just refer to it as a mentally duressed card game. Um, so cool, <laughs> cool stuff. 
C mock coming Insane along. Insane eights. That's what I'm. <laughs> Ooh. Next one up. Eight bit. Eight bits in the basement. Whom we've actually had on the show before. He hasn't been on in a while, and he's been kind of busy over the summer. So he's. Kind I of like that into screen things. there. So he's the guy that was, I think he's originally Irish, but he's lived in France the last almost 10 years. So he's picked up an Alice. And he kind of goes through it. And he's got the original you know, cardboard box. He doesn't have the big fancy suitcase like John Lindbergh mm, picked up here. but That's uh, cool. Kind of goes through like what you get with it. Le Micro. He, of course, he's got the... Uh, you have original manuals. Look here. at, those, look at those funky electrical outlets there, too. That yeah, is, I remember those. Is, yeah, that is so <laughs> not American. <laughs> In America, we don't got round plugs. <laughs> it was funny, too, because he actually he, he loaded one of the sample games into French, so he's busy translating it for you on the fly, so you understand what the hell <laughs> the cool. asking you. And he starts going through the custom screws that are in oh, there. Oh, wow, look the at time. that. The star key, huh? I don't hook it without wrecking the cables. <laughs> I just got this cool rare thing. There are only like four exist in the world, but let's take it apart. <laughs> and of course, this this is a uh, C cam. It's oh. not even PAL. It's C cam for France. So you can see the RF shield here, or the RF cam that used to be there is actually just kind of almost like a heat sink or something. Yeah, looks like outputting a, to the, uh, I mean, the it's C cam lead line to prevent uh, X-ray penetration or something. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Looks like an episode of the X Files. Yeah. <laughs> from France. We're from France. <laughs> now that is cool. I mean, he's got the motherboard out. It's like, hold my beer. I'm just going to take this thing apart here, right? So, yeah. yeah. And the layout is a little bit different because there are some extra chips to get the C cam to work. And of course, the air cam is different. So it's not an American layout. It is actually, and it was manufactured in France by um, Hatchet, I think it was called. There's, there's two companies, Metra and Hatchet, and I thought that was just one company. It's not, apparently, from what he's explaining. One was the manufacturer, one was kind of the reseller. Hmm. So it's actually just they work together, but they weren't the one one company. Okay. So it doesn't have all the bodge wires. What's that? No bodge wires. It doesn't have all the bodge wires like the MC-10 does then. Uh, unless, they're on the, on, unless they're on the underside. I can't even remember. Yeah, no, those, those, yeah, those were factory-installed bodge wires, too. So. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's the bottom. There you go. Okay, RF shielding. CB itself. And once you remove that, oh, you're right. wow. no bodge wires. No bodge wires. Look at that. PCB, which makes the camera go all green for some reason. Anyway, around the front here. Uh, it is a nice looking like little said, compact motherboard, especially for that period of time. The, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. solder points, you'll be able to lift this up away from yeah. This, this particular one is manufactured. Well, and that's pretty much all of it disassembled right there for you. All right, so here we are with the Alice laid bare in front of us. So we can see that it's a little bit of 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 a little on the label is 1209, whatever all that means. Now, any of you who know anyway, that's good. Watch the video. It's a pretty good breakdown of the Alice and a little bit of history of the, the companies and stuff here, too. Uh, Scott Cooper is asking, is CMOC Windows friendly? I'm not, I, I think so. I right. think you need to have a few tools, uh, part of your script, like your LWASMs and your tool sheds and stuff that end up making some of the floppies for you. But I'm pretty sure it is available on multiple operating systems. Yeah, Alan Murphy, you've actually ran this. What have you ran it under? Still on the go? There is, uh, I run it under Linux, but there is a WinCMOC. 
Does it need that, uh, what do they call that, Sizwidge, something on Sigwin. Windows? Sigwin. Yeah, mention need... Sigwin. Sigwin. Uh, no, I haven't run Windows since 1997. All right. I think Sigwin, that's like a, uh, isn't that like a uh, sandbox, like Linux type thing to run Linux stuff under Windows? Yeah. It's been around for 20 some years. Okay. So, yeah, it, it is it is doable though, Scott. Uh, cool. Geez, if you, have, if you haven't updated Windows since 97, that's going to be one hell of an update patch. That's right. You're going to be downloading well, for like there for years. I I upgraded my system by removing Windows. <laughs> well, that's that, that that Nitrous Nine boot that I that Brian Schubring actually modified too, but the one I just demoed back in the 90s too, where you boot up Windows 95 and then detect the Windows 95 virus and remove it for you. Okay. <laughs> Next up, and this is kind of a plug for next week, too, because we're going to be getting some of the people at this meeting, which is their equivalent of Cocoa Fest at Cambridge uh, Center for Computing History in the UK. So that's next weekend, two-day event. Um, we're hoping to get them on. But as soon as we go on, it'll be early evening for them, so hopefully before they hit the pub, <laughs> or at least hit the pub too hard, we'll get them on to talk about what, what was shown off. I'm imagining... A lot of this stuff with the uh, Super Sprite up and Plus hey, board will be showed off. So, sorry to interrupt, uh, Curtis, but I'm hearing some clicking noises in my house. I think I've had a few power fluctuations. Um, right now, it still seems like I'm good, but I just want to warn anybody in advance if if we lose things. I, I, I don't know. I heard my I heard my power supplies clicking and a few things like that. So so far so good. But just be warned, we may or may not fall off the air. Um, but I'm sorry, Curtis. Go ahead. Um, okay. I've only got two stories left here. Yeah. So yeah. Pretty well done. So. Anyway, this, this is on next week. If you live in the UK and, and you're interested in Dragon Cocoa stuff, head down to the show. I've, I've seen pictures. We've shown them before from previous ones pre-COVID. No, I, I want to go ahead and I'm going to go out on a limb here with an unsubstantiated claim, but I'm going to say this is going to be one of the greatest Dragon in-person events uh, this year. I would go as far as saying D. Okay. Well, we can't substantiate that, but that's just gonna, that's my prediction. So. In your opinion, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we are going to try to do some. We're going to try to bring some of that coverage to the show, depending on who we can get to join us on Zoom on either a phone or a computer or something. So we will try to bring some of that through to the viewing audience here on yeah. Cocoa Talk next week. I've mentioned to a few of them. I sent out a general email to him, and a few people contacted me too. Like Tim Gilbert, who was one of the people on the Dragon Special previously, is going to go run around, take pictures and stuff, and then if he comes on, we'll be able to share those and that would be kind great. of show. But I'm hoping to get some live footage from the show yeah. too, if we can. Yeah, if you guys could just you know join us on the show, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if everything went really swimmingly well, one of them has a Twitch account. We can actually do that link up like we do with the Amigos, where just oh, auto plays yeah. from somebody else. We could just have them stream the entire show live. You'll have to get up early to, to see it, but. That'd be kind of fun. So I'm hoping yeah. we can get that range. Cool. Ooh, Chris and lastly, is... speaking of dragons, we have Chris's retro corner. And if I understand the backstory of this, uh, his wife actually bought him a surprise, which turned out to be a dragon box with manuals and the whole bit. Now, I don't know about any of you guys, but I've never been to married anybody that would help me with my retro computing hobby and buying me stuff. No, my wife offers to give me boxes to throw it all away in. <laughs> <laughs> but funny enough, 
Funny enough, last year for Christmas, I got that uh, I got that Coleco Adam. So from well, Sarah, Mark Overholzer's wife or wife to be got him surprise tickets to go to Coco Fest and all kinds of stuff. So there are some yeah. significant others that are supporting of our yeah. hobbies. So. so what I'm saying is I'm extremely jealous of you too. Yeah, so I got to I got to tell you, <clears throat> I told my wife that next week we're having the show on the dragon, and I said, do you know what the dragon is? And she goes, yeah, you have one in your, in your room there. I wow. said, which one? She goes, that one right there. And she knew. She could point it out. Yeah. Flip me out. Yeah. Nothing about it. Nothing about it breathing fire or anything. That's good. No. I have to admit, no, I mean, you... I've been in relationships where they knew what the cocoa was because I just incessantly babbled about it all the time. But uh, as far as being <laughs> yeah, interested in it woman. or you know, keen on it, no. I mean, it's bad <laughs> enough being in a relationship with you, Curtis, but then having to hear about the cocoa on top of that. Oh, that poor oh, woman. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. <laughs> Well, actually, nice micro deal well, actually, one, 6309 yeah. is kind of motor 15% faster than you. Technically. <laughs> uh, with friends Let me get like my notes from my pocket protector uh, here. With friends like us, who needs enemas, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Hey, my uh, Missy allowed me to use her car to drive all the way to Cocoa Fest. So. Yeah, man, my lights are my lights blinking right now. I got all kinds of stuff here. Click, I got clicky noises and blinky lights. It's like a prison uh, break's gonna happen here or something. Sarah went to VCF Midwest. Oh, so. look at that! Oh, Ooh, look awesome. at that! Oh, how beautiful is that? It is. It's right. a beauty. Right? moment. Back in a second. Okay, and I'm back in the room. There we go. Mushy moment over. Second. Mushy moment. Second. Oh. Um, yeah, he went to thank so his wife yeah, for buying. Let's have a let's have a very quick look around. So most oh, computer programs for the Dragon run on a thirty-two. Is it working? Yeah, actually, that was a discussion that came up. Um, yeah, on Facebook. Good, good one. And also on the World of Dragon archive, I think it came up too. Like we were asking, like how many games on the Dragon required sixty-four K? Because the Dragon sixty-four, of course, came with one. And I know Karen had mentioned he only remembers one. So the sixty-four came out fairly late in the dragon's life and then they went bankrupt like literally a couple months later and then got you know sold off and to uh Eurohard. but the thing is it didn't last long enough for a 64k market to really grow so they never really got any 64k the one exception of course was always signed that was one of the reasons the dragon 64 came out they were doing all sign level one so you're telling me they didn't get sailor man no they didn't get sailor man they didn't get any of the diecom they got none of the sun dog they got none of that stuff lord love my sailor that's man. that's stevie 64k ram test sailor man yeah and now, um, i know paris rat and i because i did some of those optimizations for like gantlet and stuff like that i he's actually ported some of those back to the dragon so they have a few of those now but i didn't realize the dragon didn't really have a 64k scene almost every single dragon program is 32k period Right. required and there's a lot of stuff they're missing from what we did because the coco i mean the coco one and two by 85 86 almost everything was 64k you didn't see too many 16k or 32k titles yeah. anymore now you so, remember when uh, model one um coco had um 32k and uh, i think we need to try to I, i'm sorry to be i'm sorry to do this but i think we need to try to wrap this up because i'm watching my internet get flaky on me too i don't know if we're going to lose the stream i don't know if and, and, and if we're close to wrapping up then maybe we wrap up if we're going to be longer maybe we get a backup but i'm predicting a loss of of uh, internet here or something thanks okay. uh, sorry about that ron um but uh yeah, this is my last story. So okay, so. No, but I'm just I was watching my stream light go from red to green to, to orange, and so um, I, I just don't know if we're gonna lose everything. So 
Okay. Anyway, uh, this is a cool video for somebody who's really genuinely excited to be getting a dragon in the mail, was not expecting it. Um, so you definitely go check that out. And as, as Ron was mentioning, like there's been no 64K real software, especially games on the, on the dragon. And um, I think Pear and I might try to work on getting some more of the stuff you know, like Sundog and some of the other DICOM titles that haven't poured over and a bunch of the other ones from other companies to try to get them ported over so that the, you know they can enjoy that software like we did. And um, I know uh, that Return of the Beast, that Stuart, if he, if he finishes a 64K version, which has a bunch of extra stuff in it, that would be one of the very few other games, like an original game that's been done for the Dragon 64K. Uh, if you guys are watching this live, let me know if we're still on the air because now we're green again. I don't know. And I apologize, Ron, for cutting you off. I was getting panicky because um, everything was noisy and clicky and my light, my screen was going red on the stream. I didn't want to lose the whole show. Um, okay, so Karen says no, but very little in the way of games that used it. Um, yeah. All right. Well, since we're still on the air, um, we, and, and, and we, we were predicting this was going to be a short show and wasn't certainly trying to rush it or short change it, but we can at least talk about the length of the show and the time of the show. Cause we brought this up last week on the air and we had some people chime in, in the, uh, Coco talk lobby. Uh, most people say we, uh, we like things how they are. Uh, we like the news. We like the game on challenge. Don't change things, this and that and the other. Um, which is great. It's good to know that people like. Um, okay, so Sixty says no stream issues from his point of view. That's good. Thanks, Karen. Um, so the good news is, is as a kind of resounding, everybody loves Game On. Everybody loves the news, right? So those are good segments. And I don't think we need to change the time. I don't think we need to do anything. I just think what what we what we're gonna probably just do is on on the times where the show looks like it's gonna be running later than five o'clock, we'll have to find a time to hand off a stream to a backup streamer we'll take a commercial break we'll get somebody to come in uh, and pick up the stream and then the show will resume within a minute to a minute and a half from the time one stream ends and another stream begins for me i would like to be able to be able to part from this show by five o'clock stevie time uh, on normal occasions and then because i've got family and dinner and stuff like that to take care of uh when we have a special show like a dragon show or an mc10 special you know we'll plan accordingly to do it to do it long but i would love to be able to say goodbye around five o'clock my time um so if we're doing a show like today and it was getting close to five and curtis still had more news to do we then say okay guys we're going to take a brief break i will end the stream somebody else will pick up the stream and start streaming again unfortunately the technical limitations are is we can't just hand the stream over to another person while the show is still live we have to stop and reset things and restart again so there'll be like maybe up to a minute delay from the transition from myself to whoever's going to handle part two so on the days where the show is going to go longer we'll just we'll take a brief pause and then we'll just continue it um, as needed um, that seems to make the most sense now um, what about the moving back to two o'clock since we have a decent size uh, so my internet's going red again uh, we have a decent sized audience right now. I know Grant, you were in favor of moving it to two o'clock. I think Mark Bosley's in favor of moving it back to two o'clock because you guys are unfortunately on the wrong side of uh, this country where your time sucks and you're not with me. Um, <laughs> oh, but, uh, 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 wrong side of Mississippi, right? You're on the wrong yeah, side well, of I Mississippi. Hate to, so. I hate to inform you, the central time zone is God's time zone. So. <laughs> You're so, on the wrong side. So we may or may not bump the start time back to the old two o'clock time. If we do that, we'll do it probably after the new year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've got a lot of guests ready. You know, yeah. Yeah. So we'll probably do it maybe, 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 again. maybe late January or February. We may bump the show forward an hour. 
Uh, Bruce Moore says he likes it earlier. I like it earlier because I like because if we start sooner, we can still go long and I can still be uh, still, you know, I can get a four hour show in if we start at one o'clock. Uh, eight bits in the basement says, and by the way, great Alice video there, eight bits. Don't change a thing. But at the start time, move back to two. That would be cool for me. Um, yeah, and we say send, send votes and send your complaints and everything else to Coco Talk at Coco Talk live or or do it when the uh, do it in the Coco Talk lobby. But it seems like um, seems like everybody loves the show. Don't change a thing. Don't break anything. So we were talking about maybe making these different segments at different days or different times. Nobody's in favor of changing the time or the day. Um, pretty much other than we might move it forward an hour but in order to to accommodate uh, everyone's schedules uh, there may be times where the show will have to be broken into two parts and we'll, we'll pick a logical separation time like maybe we'll finish the game on news we'll take a break we'll hand it over part two we'll pick up with regular news and so on um, so that's going to be the worst case is that some shows will be broken into two pieces you can still watch it live there'll be about a minute delay before the second stream kicks back in again yeah, yeah the other um, thing of course is that i'm scheduling guests less often or at least trying to um so that we don't have like two or three weeks where we have long shows with a long interview and then you have to catch up three weeks of news because we skipped it the previous two right and then right. you just make the show that much longer again so with these spacing them out i have noticed the shows have started to get a bit shorter again yeah and of course some guests we know are going to be super long some guests won't so yeah yeah and you don't and here's the thing you don't it's 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 nice to say i can say in a, an abstract statement like three hours should be an average show length and that's probably true and four hours might be a long show that's probably true but there's going to be a day where there's going to be either a lot of news or there might be a short news day but there's just long discussions and i don't think we should try to put anything in a box where if 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 it's a good discussion and it's happening and it's organic and it's all good stuff, let it go as long as it needs to go. But if we start to, uh, you know, filibuster and we're talking in circles and we're repeating ourselves, well, now we're just we're wasting air, air time, yeah. you know, so. But the nice thing long. about doing podcasts and doing broadcasting like this is that you're not fixed to a schedule like TV was. We had right, commercial breaks right. and this show had to start right. at three and yeah. the show had to start at four. We're it's free form. You can do long, you can do short, just whatever right. the content requires. Oh, it's yeah, all recorded, right. so you can always bail out early and come right. back later. Right, right, right. Yeah, so the, the problem is because we are literally having a global audience, not only on our panel, but the people who are, are, are watching it, we, we, there is no perfect time. There is no single mm -hmm. perfect no. time, even in, in America. But there's definitely not a perfect global time. But this 1 to 2 o'clock-ish has worked out for most of the world with the exception now, if the rest of, of you guys ditch daylight savings that would help like yeah, right. catch up world <laughs> mm. but like with the uk being a, you know about an average of five hours ahead of us if we started at one o'clock it's dinner time you know we started at two o'clock you know and then if we do these six hour shows now it's getting into like when we did the dragon talk that six hour show they, those guys were up till one o'clock in the morning that night now mm. they knew they knew that in ahead of time but you know some of these time differences do and not make everything perfect for everybody to watch it live, but we're doing the best we can, right? Well, look at look at poor Nick. I mean, he has to get up at three and four in the morning here to come on. Yeah, right. Oh, so. well, he's making so much money. He's living on his Coco yeah. Royalty. I mean, so. granted, he does sleep through most of the show, so it's not that <laughs> yeah, bad. Yeah, I was about to say that. That's all right. I like to sleep through the show. So we're not going to put in a box, but I already have a box. I have. I, I, I got a rock. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just go ahead and send this box to Nick Morenti. That's right. So. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, we want we want we want that feedback to keep coming. So let us know the segments you like. Let us know, you know, 
uh, you know, if you have suggestions on making things better or changing things or adding things, uh, this show has always been a kind of a melting pot of the of the panel and the audience contributing ideas. You know, Mr. Dave is the one who gave us the game on segment idea. You know, um, and I just want to say, you know, for Curtis, uh, you weren't at Coco Fest, but everybody, everybody who was at Coco Fest who I saw. There's there's like two or three things that were unanimous from everybody said oh my, said Curtis Boyle does an amazing job he with his interviews and with the news and everything else. Everybody, I'm gonna go broke from all those yeah. checks I had to write. Um, and then another one was um, oh, shit I can't remember now but yeah so Curtis Boyle um, uh, the other one was uh, something to the tune of you guys are doing a great job on the show you, I think you guys are really helping out the community and this and that and the other that was another one oh yeah and then the um, um, Mark Siegel interview. Everybody's like, man, that Mark Siegel interview was amazing. And I'm like, man, I haven't seen it yet. Don't spoil it for me. But that's, I mean, I must have talked to, you know, a dozen, two dozen people that just would come up to me at random saying, man, we, we think the show is doing great. You're doing, you're great. You guys are a great uh, thing for the community. Uh, Curtis Boyle does a great job with his interviews, this, that, and the other. And then, um, yeah, and the uh, Mark Siegel interview was amazing. So I heard that, those three things, numerous, numerous times at Coco Fest. So, just wanted to pass that along to you, Curtis. Your efforts are not unrecognized or unappreciated. Okay, okay, okay. He's getting too big of an ego now. <laughs> well, but but I'm but Canadian. Other... I'm modest. But <laughs> did we have anyone say more, David Lat? Ooh, yeah. <laughs> more diet, Dr. Pepper, please. <laughs> John Lowry suggests I should get double pay, which is you know zero times zero. Yeah, so. Yeah. so, Fred, yeah. you survived your first uh, on air. How, how did it go? You live. You live to tell the tale. You're muted. There you go. Um, yeah, it's been great. Um, uh, listening with interest to everything. Uh, not much to say on most subjects, but um, but uh, yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Oh, no problem. Jump back mm -hmm. in. All right. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna go ahead and run the outro, and then we'll be back for. Oh, by the way, I completely forgot. Do we have project updates and and acquisitions? Does anybody have a project update or acquisition? Something they want to talk about. <laughs> Story to tell. Well, well Brian Wiesner's not on, so that that well, no that, acquisitions. That would make it a nine-hour show. Actually, um, one thing we should announce: uh, Brian Wiesler, the second date we had picked up from mid-December, he is not going to be able to make that now. So um, that slot is now open, but we're just going to do it whenever Brian gets time. Yeah, He's got some okay. stuff going on right now. Yeah, we'll so. figure out that date when. when I think it Brian's happens. working on getting his CDL for that semi truck of Coco <laughs> stuff. I, I think secretly <laughs> he's found a second semi truck. He has to go pick up, is what I'm guessing. But, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> But yeah, all right. Let's let's run the outro and then we'll be back for parting thoughts. Then no updates, no acquisitions. Um, actually, Ooh. I do have one. I have one which I I got maybe two weeks ago, but somewhat Coco related. Um, so as I am lo looking at some retro books to get inspiration on creating an uh, an adventure game engine, uh, Alan Murphy had also recommended another book that I should get, which I did get. It's called Two Massive Online Game Blueprints for RPGs and first-person shooters and so this is um, talking about game design and game development concepts and blueprints and how to pitch it and how to come up with ideas and stuff like that so Alan suggested I got this book and he's never steered me wrong yet so I went ahead and I got that one that one came in probably a couple weeks ago but I forgot to show it off so that is an acquisition that's something I will be reading too as I get more into ideas for game development and whatnot um, I, I do have one uh, ego boost thing I'll throw in for me too since oh, for you propping me okay. up here. Yeah, <laughs> your hair looks. Oh, so I, was, you. I, was, I was looking through the Rainbow's off. online for I, was, I can't even remember what it was for. But I think it was for Alan Huffman's question on what were the original soft releases for the Coco Three, 
on launch. But I was looking through some other old rainbows just out of fun. And then I, I noticed, and I'd forgotten about this, that actually in the pictures that Rainbow put up for Rainbow Fest back in the 80s, I actually show up in the background with one of them with Chris Burke. And I thought that was kind of funny. So I'd, I'd share that here. Sometimes. Okay, mullet, full-on mullet? No, this is a pre-mullet. Pre-mullet. So this is the 1989 Chicago Rainbow Fest here. Okay. And uh, you can see you know, the crowd here. And you can see people like Kevin Darling here, um, Jill Hagberg over here. So there's a few people you can recognize. Rick Adams was the guest speaker at that oh, time, and he's Rick. brought that plaque to show us there afterwards. Yeah, wow, look at that. Rick and Lonnie Adams. Falk, you can see right wow. there. He's been a ham he for like a Marty long Goodman. Time. Oops. I jumped way farther. Coco Cat, you know, one, one of the stuffed cat thing there. Meow. 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 All the seminars, they talked about all the seminars that were on. And look at some of the attendees. Joseph of uh, Kenton Electronics. Which is that you, Curtis, Scuzzy? looking over somebody's shoulder there in a yellow yeah, shirt? That's Chris Burke, and there's me. Mm. All right. Back when he, when the 256K upgrade came out because Quarter RAM mag. chips had a big problem with uh, manufacturing after a fire in Japan or mm. Korea or whatever it was. Oh, my internet just got red again. Hopefully it won't affect the stream. So it was just kind of a nostalgia thing for me because I, I remember that. Uh, that, that particular in the fest there, and I, I, did, I totally forgot that I was actually in one of the snapshot pictures there. There's Tony DeStefano, of course, of CRC from Canada. Turn of the screw. Yep. Also the one meg, two meg upgrades, and a ton of other things. And there's uh, some more Canadians there. Bleak Triad, the guys who did Seventh Link and Overlord and uh, Marble Madness. Uh, or the, Sorry, those darn marbles. A bunch of games that they made for the Coco 3 specifically. I just thought that was kind of funny. I, I kind of frightened. forgotten totally that that picture was in there. <laughs> yeah, my internet's getting a little flaky. Hopefully the stream's still going out. Stevie, uh, you are flaky. Uh, thanks, Grant. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for, for being on the show. Thanks for being here, Fred. Um, there is uh, there is one other acquisition. Now, what is that, Sloopy? Uh, the uh, giveaway that we did a few weeks back okay. for the Drive Wirelessly. Um, Michael Pitsley, who Pitsley. done it? Yeah. Yes, he just received it today. All right. So, what did you do? Mm -hmm. Put it on a uh, put it on a snail. No, uh, unfortunately, I was planning on shipping it on my way to Cocoa Fest, and uh, by the time I was actually able to get to a post office, it was closed, and then it got packed up and stuff, and I forgot it, oh, and I was okay. unpacking and found it and got it out last there week. There you go. Well, it got there. And that's oh. all that matters. That's and I'll, I'll offer an open invite to Michael Pitsley that once it gets installed and gets it up and running, he should pop on the show and give us a review. Yeah, Michael. Yep. Absolutely. Everybody, we have real low, we have real low standards here, so you'll definitely uh, you'll make it. And remember, cut. remember Sloopy, Sloopy Malibu for all your shipping needs. <laughs> when, it, when it absolutely positively needs to get there eventually at some point in time. Uh, hey, just just because I just because I put the standard bar on the ground. When fourth class someday delivery is too fast, just hang on to Sloopy. That's he just it. ties it to the bottom of a pigeon's toe and just lets it go. Yeah. All right, cue outro. This concludes another episode of Cobra Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Calor computer, MC10, and Dragon systems. For all things Cocoa Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. 
consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, Brian Weaver, Curtis Boyle, D. Bruce Moore, Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, Eric Canales, George Jansen, Grant Leedy, James Diffendapper, Jason Reichert, Jim Brain, Ken Reichert, Ken Waters, Mark Bosley, Mark Overholzer, Mikey Furman, Mr. Dave 6309, Nick Morentes, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Nick Morota, Paul Fiscarelli, Richard Lorbieski, Rick Adams, Rick Ulin, Rob Inman, Ron Delvaux, Samuel Gimes, Sloopy Malibu, Steve Bjork, Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coco community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! believe it is yeah. it is yeah it was it was a short, uh, smaller news week though so that that was understandable no interview wow. this week too i do want to mention one thing here that actually has been brought up in the chat too is that one of the one of the successes of our show i think is the fact that it's interactive with the audience live while it's actually being recorded so even if you can't be on the panel like fred did today you can of course just join us in the chat and you can fire comments we'll read them on the air you can fire questions we'll answer them on the air and sarcastic comments which we'll promptly ignore and, and let's not all forget the sex appeal of the panel here. There's lots of eye candy here. That sex sells. And this show here Ooh. is woohoo. <laughs> Just remember, ladies, David Ladd's here almost every week. Ooh. Ooh. He's got his grease weasel and he's ready. <laughs> One other thing, too, I would like to say, too, uh, as we have closed the, officially are closing the book on the 2021 uh, Cocoa Fest. Uh, I am now taking over the 2022 Coco Fest. So any suggestions, questions, or anything, please send an email to me at CocoFest at GlensideCCC.com. Actually, I do have a question. Did we ever get official release of the number of attendees and vendors at the fest? Uh, I believe I the it meeting, was, unfortunately, because it worked. I think it was 75, if I'm not mistaken. Is that was including it? vendors or not including? That is including vendors. Okay. That's not bad. So, and if you haven't course, gone home to a Cocoa Fest. And then, of course, Fest. we were, in fact, this year, we had the uh, largest uh, income from the uh, auctions 
ever. Yeah, that over, auction over was five, insane. Yeah, almost like six thousand dollars. That's wow. insane. That's, which is good. That's a, it's a good it's a good problem to have, right? Yeah. Yeah. Th th that auction was insane. I couldn't believe some of the stuff and and the prices they were going for. I was uh, my jaw dropped and, several and times. So here here's an interesting thing about that. So um, Jason Timmons, who runs VCF Midwest, well, he's not the only one who runs it, but you know he's the mostly most vocal and visual the public persona of public things. persona of it he started attending coco fest to see how we did auctions and then seeing how we did our auctions he brought that to vcf and then after they did it at vcf a couple of years they tweaked it so this year at vcf they had the whole what i call the qvc way of doing things where the stuff was in another room and you saw the video of what you were bidding on and and things can move so much faster when you don't have to physically carry things back and forth you know i mean poor tony pedraza when he used to run those auctions the guy was getting out of breath because he was having to carry big old dmp you know sherman tank printers and and holding stuff up and everybody's like what's the serial number and you know and all this kind of stuff so this, this poor man was killing himself for this stuff. So now that we can just point a camera at it and just move things around and holding up the numbers like you're at a real auction and stuff, um, it ran real smooth. So so they kind of borrowed from us. They kind of tweaked it. We borrowed their tweaks, brought it back. And so this whole kind of synergy of just sharing ideas and collaborating has helped improve our auction. So this year it went by smooth, it went by good, and it raised a spit ton of money. So that's a win, win, win. For Glenside, right? So that's just community collaboration and action, right there. You know. Actually, I have a question for Fred because you said some of the uh, the the prices you saw stuff go through uh, at the auction was kind of jaw dropping. Was it because it went much higher than you're expecting, or much lower, or both? Um, much higher. Um, but it's like some of the like there were a couple of hard drive systems, uh, you know, from like the early '80s that were going for several hundred dollars. That, um. Wow, I, I, I never even expected to see stuff like that in the auction, uh, let alone, uh, you know, uh, the prices that they went for. Something. The, the reason really I was cheap, asking though. is I know like on the Amigos there, a boat or Amigo Aaron is actually complaining. He thought stuff was going for way too low because he's used to eBay pricing. But you guys could have made a lot more money with that auction. <laughs> right. Well. That, some things that non-coker things probably sold cheaper, like old PCs. And, and there was a lot of stuff, I think, that Bob Swoger had donated from his collection. So I think there was a lot of specky stuff that was done at the yeah. end. And that stuff probably went much less than current market value because nobody there knew anything about it and just you know wanted to buy it probably. So I think a lot of that specky stuff probably went for well under fair market value. Um, I, I saw a couple of Coco one and twos go for pretty cheap, you know, 10, 20, 40 to $60. And then the Coco three stuff started getting into a bidding war. Um, so I think it was all over the place. I think there were some incredible buys and then there were some things that got really, really competitive. One of those, um, one of those hard disk controller things was sold for almost $600 for a single Yeah, it was item. the Burke and Burke double drive. Yeah. You know what I mean? So spot. it's just like, yeah, it was, it was really interesting just how some things went. Um, so, uh, but at the end of the day, that money raised is what makes sure that more events can happen. So they always put the word last in quotes, the last Chicago Cocoa Fest, because they never know if they're going to have enough money. Some year you'll again. be right. Yeah. But as, as of right now, I, I think, we, I think we're good on the next. Well, if you haven't been to one, you better get out this time because Grant's running it now. So yeah, well, it might was, actually be the there last. There was one request. D. Bruce Moore says he has a request. Less Grant Leedy. So. Thanks, Bruce. I'm going to give a thumbs up to that one. So, so. All in favor? I think he means you go on a diet. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. When you watch the slideshows, 
the newer videos we have super skinny Grant, and as you go back further in time, it's like, wait a second, is Grant gaining weight now as we go through this slideshow? <laughs> it's like you run it backwards, and I and I think next year Grant's gonna be like forty two pounds or something. It's just like he <laughs> gets skinnier every year. Um, Actually, a serious question to Grant: How's how's your back doing? The back is doing great. Uh, I'm almost back to normal. So. Uh... At the surgery was successful, and I'm just recovering a little bit. So actually, I'll probably be going back to work hopefully after Thanksgiving. So about a month, about five weeks ahead of schedule. So so we don't need to do the special cam for the auction. You can sit there and haul all around and flip things upside down for serial numbers, like, <laughs> yeah. like Tony was doing. Um, how, how's your face? Does your face hurt? A lot better than yours. <laughs> 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 it's killing me. All right. <laughs> Push the button, no, Frank. But no, seriously, uh, <laughs> if you have any suggestions or anything, in fact, you know, we're starting to come up with themes because, unfortunately, we only got six months turnaround, so we do not have much time to uh, get the planning process. So if you have any ideas for themes, uh, for badges, artwork, or anything like that, schedule. please. I heard please, a lot uh, of positive comments on the on the badges and stuff this year. So whatever you guys did this year, do that. That was end. Jim Brain. Yeah, uh, definitely will be. That was Jim Brain saying, I'm just going to do this. I'm not going to like make you guys vote on this for nine months. Right. He just got her done. <laughs> yeah, these are, they're, they're, they're very nice. Yeah. Just so. like here, Rossi, what do you guys think about bringing back the awards this year? Is that something we should do, you think? Um, I think squeeze it in. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, and there's not. I don't see any reason why. I think the challenge for that's always been is 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 it subjective? Is it objective? Yeah, does the that, person, that's my concern with does it. Does the it, person it need to, get, to be present? You know, um, so it tends to get political. Is my my main complaint. About right, right. So there were years where it was just like, oh, okay, well you're here, we'll just give it to you. You you have the nicest blue shirt, right? So, um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I think if done properly, it's kind of cool to recognize people. But then there's always you're never going to make anybody everybody happy when you go to do something right. like that. So I would just say if you guys think it's if it's worth doing, then just do it. Yeah. Right, so also I got a, a nice recommendation from uh, Mr. Alan Murphy there that Glenside can afford a paper bag for Grant for the next fest. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> paper or plastic? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever well, you can I seal properly. That's, uh, uh, okay. All right, okay. we're going to press the button. Say goodbye, Push everybody. the button, Frank. Before you say right, goodbye, everybody. everybody. To the dragon. Bye,